Hello, everybody. This is episode number 158 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is March 9th, 2021. I had March 8 written in my notes, but I caught my own mistake before I even before I even messed up. So uh, I'm on a roll already. I'm Robert Ring. With me is the inedible Jay Todd. Ooh. Ooh. Hello. Good evening. <laughs> What's up, Jay? How's it going? What? It's going well. If you would have, uh, if you would have said March eighth, I would not have corrected you. So it's partially my fault as well. Well, I just have so much faith in your ability. Luckily, I was here to save the day. That is make true. sure everything goes smoothly. What's uh, going on? How's life? Everything's good here. How about you? Pretty consistent. Um, getting, I'm a little, get a little concerned that uh, things may start turning on here in Arizona, and I may have oh, to no. return back to my office, which I'm really scared about. But <laughs> not, not like soon, but like. I see the end happening, see, you know, yeah. sometime in the summer, and I'm kind of scared about that because one, obviously the risk, but also two, I really enjoy working from home. Yeah, no shit. Like, can we just keep doing this? Yeah, exactly. Right? That's that's exactly where my brain is right now. Like, can we can we just continue this? It's great. All right, I got a question for you. Sure. You're somebody buys something. Somebody buys a video game from you off of eBay. Okay. Okay. You have run out. Of bubble wrap, or whatever, oh, no. or whatever, whatever it is that you normally package stuff like this in, so it doesn't get damaged. Particularly if it's a boxed game, so it doesn't get damaged, or in the box doesn't get bent and stuff in transit. What do you use? Worst case scenario, I take a t-shirt, get it real clean, wrap in the t-shirt, put it in a cereal box. You would use a t-shirt. I'd wrap it in a t-shirt, yeah. Or something. Something that would protect it. If I don't have bubble wrap, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like probably like a t-shirt plus paper wrapped around it or something. You just ruined my story. Why? Is that what they did? No. no but close. Uh, a little bit worse. They used a polo shirt. Oh, wow. So you got a polo out of it, too? Not a not like a Ralph Lauren polo. I think it was Adidas. An Adidas is polo. It, is it a nice shirt? <laughs> It's actually kind of nice shirt, but it was ugly, or in my opinion, I, I didn't really like it. Uh, they got um, it as a gift. I, I remember one of my girlfriend's moms got me a shirt one time, and it was, I, I they were sweet as, as all hell, but it was the <laughs> ugliest color, and I felt so bad, because like, I never wore it. Like I would wear it when they would come around, you know, obviously, the play, but I felt so bad when I, when I ended up getting rid of it, because I'm just like, I've worn this shirt like three freaking times, man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I sometimes, every once in a while, I, I will get an ugly shirt or something as a gift. Yeah. But I don't get stuff like that too often. Lisa and I have gotten better about it in the last couple of years, though. Like we just we're we're trying to like get to a point where we only have primarily what we need, and we get rid of anything else that we don't. And it's so funny because like at, during Christmas, we told everybody like very explicitly, like this is what we want. We don't want anything else. Don't get us a bunch of random <laughs> shit. Like, don't get us clothes and stuff. And then, of course, like Christmas Day, you know, we get a bunch of random shit from my mom and her mom. And Lisa, like this, the day after, just like has all this stuff uh, by the door, and she's like, "Well, this is all the stuff I didn't ask for. That they gave me. This is going to Goodwill." <laughs> oh my gosh, that's kind of that's kind of how my mom is. Every Christmas or birthday or whatever, she will just get me, and sometimes like just for no reason, like she like, "Oh, I saw this." Yeah. Fucking Yoda chewing gum holder case at the store. Here you go. Jesus, how specific. Like, that's not actually a thing, but it's just like little crap like that. Like, yep. just little like 50 cent 
things that cost three dollars and you just take the space they, for five years exactly all they do is junk up the house i usually just throw them away as soon as she leaves because i'm like i don't ha- i don't want this just take just like junking up the house you know like i don't need this i don't know just little thing like a star wars clock here you go i saw this at the grocery store i'm like oh okay thanks i try not to encourage her i'm trying not to be like oh awesome and like really encourage her i'm just like oh okay and then uh hopefully like she'll eventually understand that i don't really love getting shit like that <laughs> yeah and, and to be fair as well you know my mom has expressed to me she's like oh I, I always like to get you something as a surprise because like i'm very like cut and dry with what i want it's like yeah i generally buy things that i need or want throughout the year so it's like when holidays come about it's like it's kind of a pain in the ass to figure out sometimes what i want so like i get it like I, I, the intent is there and i appreciate it but it's just like it's to your point it's just clutter it's just like things that i don't need it's not really things that i want and i end up just like storing them for six months to feel better about myself and then end up ultimately just giving them away or donating them or something yeah so. exactly i don't want to sound ungrateful because like clearly she's yeah. just trying to be sweet and like oh this robert will like this little thing but i i don't mom yeah <laughs> i would rather for, you for just like time. save the 25 cents and and not just have cheap plastic laying around yeah, and, and what's interesting is my dad's gotten older too. You know, for for holidays and stuff, he he's always been, he's always been a big fan of like, oh, let, don't buy me anything. Let's just go do something. Take me to do something. Let's go, let's go hiking. Let's go grab lunch. You know, like whatever it is. And I really appreciate that sentiment. And I will say, he's not always a hundred percent on that because uh, <laughs> he doesn't always want to do those activities. But I do appreciate the the intent because I think for me, you know, that's really what I want from holidays. I think. I, wow, we're getting off on a tangent here, but I really yeah. hate the whole concept of consumerism. Uh-huh. So I really try to avoid that when possible. And like, I'd rather do stuff with people. I don't know. I usually will get my dad, if I can't think of something good to get him, because he's one of those, those people who anything that he wants, he just gets for himself, you know? Yeah. Uh, so if I can't think of something to get for him, then I'll get him some kind of like food or something, you know, like some kind of like really nice food or whiskey or some something consumable so that, he, you know, I don't have to be like, oh, like a year later. Oh, let me see. Where's that thing that I got you? You know, it's uh, food is always a safe way to go because uh, obviously it's going to it's going to be consumed. Yeah, exactly. And the one challenge is, though, especially with my family, like the things, you know, it's like my my family's not always the healthiest when it comes to food. So it's like oh, really? even more of that. I'm like, my dad, he'll like text me around holidays and be like, hey, do you want C's? What do you want from C's? And I'm like, I don't want anything, dude. Like, I want it, but I don't want anything. What's C's? Is that a Arizona? C's candy. It's like a oh. really nice candy store. They're incredible. It's, it's they're really freaking good. Are you can't one more tangent? Are you a candy person? I like candy a lot. I, I really like, I actually really enjoy candy quite a bit. I like chocolate. I love chocolate with nuts. Like chocolate nuts is like one of my defaults. I also like sour, salty things too. Like I really like like sweet tarts and stuff like that. It, it just depends on my mood. I kind of go back and forth um, either direction. So gotcha. I'm not, I'm not huge on candy. I like a good dessert, but I, but I, I don't really like candy too much. I'd rather just eat more, you know, like real food in most cases. I like both. I mean, it's 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 so funny. Like I I can eat so much shit. I love real food. I love <laughs> just the variety of food. I love dessert food. I love like chips and shit. Like it's just it's just it's brutal. I love food. I love chips. I'm big. I'm a big proponent of chips. Certain chips I really like, but if we're talking about, like salty things, I really like like Cheez-Its. I love Cheez-Its. So good. Cheez-Its are good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. On to video games. Classic oh. games and food podcasts. 
that would that was a missed opportunity by us. We should have done we should have done the thing that we did that one episode where we ate our favorite food. That should have been that should be oh, what yeah. we did every episode. Oh yeah, I remember. Oh man, yeah, we should do that again sometime because Lisa doesn't like to eat at that restaurant. <laughs> Let's yeah. do it. We'll do it soon, just for no reason. I'll have donuts again. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Donuts though, damn. Yeah. All right, game of the quarter is up next. Not not today, but on our next episode. I mean. So, uh, oh yeah, I know what I want to nominate for our next one. By the way. Oh good. Okay. So yeah. the secret of Monkey Island is what we're playing for game of the quarter this time. That episode will be uh, March 30th. So send in, play the game and send in your thoughts by then. If you want, if you, uh, if you want to, uh, if you want us to read your thoughts on it, Jay and I will both be playing it and we want to hear from everybody else who, who feels like playing it also. Also, yeah, I may actually, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, st- I actually went ahead and started my playthrough yesterday. Mm-hmm. And as, as so on, when you buy the secret of monkey Island, the only version that's on sale now, or that's for sale now on your know, like Steam and GOG and that kind of stuff, is the uh, the special edition, which has the classic version in it. But you have to press F10 to switch back and forth between new and classic, and that's not. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's awesome, but it's not made entirely clear. So if if you start if you launch the game and you're playing and you want to play in classic mode, just remember to hit F10. I'll keep that in mind. What were you gonna say? Um, I may end up actually just playing Secret of Monkey Island for the episode overall because I want to put a decent amount of time into it. Uh, oh, so I, I may totally just actually, depending on how I feel, because I'll kind of talk about this during my game this time. I have been spending way too much time playing uh, classic games right now, and I'm I'm feeling a little burned. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about this. Yeah, don't force yourself to play another one if you don't if you're, if you're not. Feeling yeah, I it. think I'm probably just going to focus on that and just re- enjoy the next couple weeks of playing it because yeah. I've and been... also, Frosthaven is going to be coming soon. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've been playing a ton of games, so I'll probably have at least two, maybe even more, besides Monkey Island to talk about next episode anyway, so we'll still have plenty of stuff to talk about. Cool. Um, I got a bunch this time, too. So, so again, March 30th, our next episode, uh, Secret of Monkey Island. Uh, We got a whole bunch of news. Do you have anything before I go into news, Jay? Uh, No, I do have one news thing, though. Okay. Uh, Famicom Detective Club has been announced for the Nintendo Switch. So these are remakes of two very old Famicom games. Famicom Detective Club The Missing Air and Famicom Detective Club The Girl Who Stands Behind, which came out in 1988 and 1989, respectively. These are getting remakes for the Switch, and they're coming out on May 14th. These look kind of like... Obviously, they are detective games. They look kind of similar to the Phoenix Wright games from from what little I've seen. So, uh, apparently, these are, uh, in certain circles, fairly well-known old games that just never got released in the States. So, so they're coming out now. Uh, Capcom Arcade Stadium has also... Well, it has been released. This is... um, Capcom's thing. This is also on the Switch. So it's you you get the arcade stadium for free. You can just download that from the from the Switch store for free. It comes with the the classic shoot 'em up 1943, kind of like a World War II themed uh, shooter. And then from there, you can there are three bundles you can buy to add other 
uh, arcade games to like the library. I uh, just pulled it up. Try okay. So the three. Oh, and also there's a fourth one that that for some reason is just Ghosts and Goblins. So you can buy Ghosts and Goblins, and you can also buy these three uh, ten game bundles for it. You can buy you know you can buy them separately. They're fifteen dollars each. If you buy all of them, I think it's like forty dollars. Uh, quick rundown. So the the first bundle, they're, they're, the bundles are are organized by year. So the first one is 84 to 88, comes with Volgus, Pirate Ship, Higamaru, 1942, Commando, Section Z, Tatakai no Banka, uh, Legendary Wings, Bionic Commando, Forgotten Worlds, Ghouls, wow. and Ghosts. Uh, the next one is 89 to 92, Strider, Dynasty Wars, Final Fight, 1941 Counterattack, Senjo no Okami 2. Mega Twins, Carrier Air Wing, Street Fighter 2, The World Warrior. Uh, that's the original Street Fighter 2. Captain Commando and Varth Operation Thunderstorm. And then the third one is 92 to uh, 2001. Warriors of Fate, Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Powered Gear Strategic Variant Armor Equipment, <laughs> Cyberbots Full Metal Madness, 19XX The War Against Destiny, Battle Circuit, Giga Wing, 1944 The Loop Master, and Pro Gear. I'm not familiar with just about any of these, but uh, but there you go. A lot of them are shoot 'em ups, a lot of them are beat 'em ups. Um, also, the Ghosts and Goblins one that you can buy separately. If you had downloaded this before a certain time, you got that for free, but it's not free anymore. Now you got to pay for it. Have you seen any of the Ghosts and Goblins remake that people have been playing? Yes, yeah, so I was going to bring that up. Uh, what do you think about it? Looks really frustrating. Looks incredibly <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> so, well, f- okay. So Ghosts and Goblins is is frustrating just by itself. Um, did the remake look more frustrating to you, or are you saying it just looks like Ghosts and Goblins? It looks like Ghosts and Goblins. I, I, I'll be honest. I've only played it a couple times myself. I remember watching a shit ton of it on Nick Arcade, though. <laughs> oh yeah every um, time it was like all right you're up what are you gonna play oh it looks like you're playing ghosts and goblins and i'm like oh this person's <laughs> fucked, fucked. <laughs> good luck <laughs> just in peace my friend yeah so this is ghosts and goblins resurrection it's 30 dollars, and is just it's kind of a remake of ghosts and goblins it's more of a go it's more of ghosts and goblins with like a with with new art but evidently they did make some minor tweaks to the gameplay and that was why i was curious to hear what your reason for saying whether that it looks frustrating is because I've actually heard that it is that it does not play as smoothly as the original Ghosts and Goblins. Oh, interesting. No, I haven't studied enough to to make that determination. And uh, yeah, I can't speak for myself, but I have heard that it just doesn't control as well. So it's okay. just as hard plus doesn't control <laughs> quite as good and but it does look pretty good in my opinion. I, I really like the art that they use on it. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's out now. It's thirty bucks. Then um, we got some BlizzCon stuff. That's where this I was is, gonna go. This yep. is where you want. Why don't you take the reins here, and uh, we'll. Uh... I've only actually seen some of it, so uh, you may be able to add some things to it. But uh, obviously, they announced the Diablo two remake, which whatever. I mean, Diablo two resurrected. Sure. Yeah, it's the remake of Diablo two, which, you know, okay. 
I just I, I have no faith in Blizzard's ability not to fuck it up. So it's just, you know, how are they going to find a greedy way to do it? Like, what is the strategy to make money off of it? I don't know. I just and also I'm not a huge Diablo person to begin with, so I'm just like kind of whatever about it. Yeah, yeah. just kind of whatever. So that was okay. Like, I just doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Um, and then they announced the first expansion for World of Warcraft Classic, which very excited oh, really? for. Yeah. Oh, you didn't see that? Yeah. So very excited for that. It's it's expected to come out sometime in May. Um, yeah. That was all I saw. Okay. I know so there's some other things though. Is the expansion a remake of the real first expansion, or is it a totally new Correct. thing? Oh, no, it is. It's okay. A remake of the original expansion. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's so funny that they're just. It. I, we don't need to go down this rabbit hole. I, I had a very lengthy conversation with people about this this week because it, it is it is just the most frustrating thing in the world for for me for Blizzard to just profit off of copy pasting an old game, which is totally fine. I'm completely content with them doing it, but it just frustrates me. It it took holding them at knife point to make it happen, and now they're like, oh, okay, we're gonna do this every time now. We're just gonna keep pumping out content. It just it's really frustrating and disappointing unsurprisingly in blizzard also uh i did hear so i was watching grubby stream because i watched grubby stream a little bit he plays oh, cool. uh, warcraft and, and a few other games and stuff so apparently blizzard had sort of baited everybody into thinking there was going to be a substantial update to warcraft reforged uh, not not like a I, there was just like some hot fixes they were going to do and I, I don't know what the full extent of was my understanding was they they conveyed out that they were going to do some sort of big update that was going to fix a lot of issues with like ladder and latency and matchmaking and some other things and they just didn't say a fucking thing they were just radio silent about it all through <laughs> blizzcon and so the five people that are still playing reforged are super upset about it apparently so okay pretty funny Welp. uh so Diablo 2 Resurrected is basically just new graphics. The gameplay, my understanding, is untouched. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, I, there are a few minor things. I read that you're going to have the option to automatically pick up gold, because that was one thing that a lot of people asked for, to not have to click on every single gold pile to, to pick it up. So like that's one little thing they're adding, but they're not actually changing any of the gameplay besides little minor things like that. Uh, new graphics... Dolby 7.1 sound, but it uses the same sound effects. They didn't re-record any of the sound for it. Um, and new, and the cutscenes are totally new. So, um... Oh, not that again. Remember that with Reforged? When they modified some of the cuts? Oh, do you not know about that? Uh, they, they I vaguely remember. The, yeah, they, they modified some of the really, like... What's the, like, really appreciated... Uh-huh. Cutscenes, like some of the iconic, that's the word. There, there were iconic cutscenes that they modified, and people were livid because they're like, "Why would you touch this? Like, it's, it's such a good game." Also, I, I, you know, I understand that people want quality of life adjustments in old games, but they have to realize that every time you make one of those little scratches, we'll just say it's like you take a piece of sandpaper and just kind of run it over a couple times. Every time you do that, you get closer and closer to what is today's product. So I, I just I, I want people to understand like that's part of like my concern whenever I talk about older games when they try to re-release them is leaving the integrity intact because the more of those quality of life adjustments you make, in my, from my perspective, I think the worse off the game gets. Because I'm not going to go super far into this, but what, the way I look at it is like games that don't that have those unnecessary things that are gone today. Those types of things help to break up the monotony of the game otherwise and help your mind, I'll I'll use this verbiage, this may not make sense, but kind of cool down from some of the other things you're doing. So if you're farming and you're selling things and then, you know, you're doing all these different things, when you have to manually do certain things like that, it's actually kind of good, in my opinion, Hmm. because it helps to break up 
you know, kind of the the streamlined leveling process. Because ultimately, what what is the goal, right, of, of a game like D two? It's to level, get gear, and keep going. And it's like if you're if you start taking out, and this is obviously a minor example, but if you keep knocking down those quality of life things at a certain point. You get to the point where we are today, for those who haven't played Diablo, you log on and you can hit max level in two hours. You can be, you know, entering rifts, which is like this endless dungeon grind within three or four hours of playing the game. So basically leveling doesn't matter at all. And so that that's just my concern with things like that. Interesting. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I totally agree with that take, but I think it's an interesting take. Yeah, it's, it's based on my, what I want from games, because my concern is like, I don't trust developers enough to pick and choose the right things to update. So I'd rather just leave it as it is than have them sure. overdo it and ruin the quality of the product. Well, I will say from from what I've seen of this, it does look with the new graphics. I think the new graphics do look really good. They definitely kept the feel of the game, the feel of the original uh, and just made it look better. Um, it wasn't like, you know, a lot of people complained about the way Diablo 3 looked. This wasn't anything like that. I think it looks very true to the original. I think it looks fantastic. And there is also one uh, pretty cool thing uh, besides that, which is you can import saves from old Diablo 2 into this. But you have to play online. <laughs> That's true. You have I'm, to play I'm online. Kidding, I'm kidding. I don't know that. I'm just trolling. That okay. Was, that was well, amazing. I imagine you, you're. there's a very good chance that you do. I don't. I don't know. But yeah. um, but you can import old saves. I think that's pretty awesome. Um, and also, unlike Warcraft Three, this is not replacing the original Diablo Two in the client, so you can <laughs> so you can play either one. <laughs> Everybody's not forced to upgrade now. Yep. So, uh, so you know, give credit where credit's due. It looks like they're. It looks like. No. no. It looks like. Looks. It, look at it. The way I look at it is, if it doesn't cost them time or resources, then they are willing to make sacrifices for what what we want. If, if something will produce more income for them, and it's in a way that won't make them look like absolute fucking greedy morons, then they will they will do something to to reach their hand into your pocket. I have no faith in Blizzard's ability to do it. This is the future of Blizzard now, by the way. We're going to see them recycle old games and make a bunch of mobile games. I. I bet my life on it at this point in the next five years blizzard's going to step away from really making a lot of large titles except for their new wow expansions they're going to regurgitate old content and then they're going to be produce a bunch of mobile games which is what they're doing right now so look i'm not disagreeing necessarily i think there is still plenty of opportunity for them to just oh yeah they have plenty of time they got more than up. a week right <laughs> they got more than a week but i'm just saying there's no concrete evidence that that's happened yet. Besides, <laughs> besides what they've done in the past. Yes, that no, is. You just, you just gotta look at the logo. Who's the developer? <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, good point. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just being, I'm, I'm just being ridiculous. I'm just, I mean, it's just you know, Warcraft Three or Forge comes out. You have to be online in order to play the campaign, mm -hmm. right? Like that is just embarrassing, right? Yeah, like yeah. that. Is, that is just like how, how do you? You know, they were like, oh, it was a big oversight by us. How? How do you have an oversight where you make it so people have to play online in order to play the single player campaign? That makes negative sense. Like it's actually just boggling. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I just I, at a certain point, you know, we'll we'll find whatever whatever the chink in the armor is, whatever whatever it is. Blizzard's going to show show their true colors at some point. I, I have no faith in their ability at this point to do anything. I don't either. I don't either. To be clear. <laughs> no. All right. Um. Oh, and, and but one other Blizzard thing. They have released the Blizzard Arcade Collection, which is out now for PC and consoles. It has 
The Lost Vikings, Rock and Roll Racing, and Blackthorn. It's 20 bucks. They're not remakes or anything. They're just those games. And it actually looks like they... It looks, it looks like they did a good job with this. I haven't looked into it heavily, but I have a little bit, and I haven't heard many complaints. It seems like they, it's actually a pretty good release. Oh, by the way, another group of developers that left Blizzard formed their own company. So there are two uh, oh, another gaming group, really. software developers that are segmented out so the that first, are working on their the, own titles. The first one was Michael Morheim and some people, and this one is another group. Yeah, my understanding. I don't know too much about what they're doing right now. So this, I will be. I'll say the sad thing that I've heard from both ends is neither one of them wants to approach an MMO at this point. They're really looking at at more specific, like very, very narrowed focus right now. Which I totally understand. You know, you know, MMOs take hundreds of millions of dollars and massive teams to produce, especially in today's world. I totally get that. But uh, the you know me as a kid, it just makes me really sad to think <laughs> because. I would love for them to to do something like that. And I know that know it's not feasible, but I'm also kind of curious, you know, given the state of things right now, what is the what's the next thing? I mean, MMOs are making a resurgence. The last the newest genre to video games is auto chess. It's um so I'm kind of curious, are they going to come up with a new genre? Are they going to touch on an old genre? Like where where are they going? And they've produced some of the roadmaps and they're working through it and I get that, but uh, I would really like to see what they're working on. I'm excited to see what what kind of projects they start doing. I got an I, I got a good project name. Oh yeah, War of Worldcraft. Oh my God, get out! I, I have a feeling they'll probably do something indie first, just to, like get their feet wet, something really small and simple. Okay, and they'll execute it well, and then they'll expand it to something more. If I had to guess, that's that's my hope because I think that would be if they can build the confidence of the community, then they can do a Kickstarter for something larger. And if with their names behind it. It's just, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't just, know if I, I, I want them to do a Kickstarter. I think I just... just, just funny. I mean, either way, I mean, but Kickstarters are, you know, still pretty relevant. I mean, at least Kickstarters are much more trusted. Do you, do you remember back when we first started uh, the podcast? Are they really, was, though? From my perspective, I mean, I haven't seen nearly as much hiccups and negative news on Kickstarters in the last couple of years. Maybe, maybe that's just my ignorance, but I am I wrong in saying that, or are they still really I think it's just because everybody doesn't trust them anymore oh really i I actually didn't know that i don't know i haven't it seems like i just hear so much less about kickstarters in general now i think it's because everybody's like things that recently i don't know like yeah i can kind of see that i guess well i I don't really know either but anyway regardless it's definitely not what it once was the kickstarter scene not as problematic you mean not as big. Or do you think it's not as big? Okay. I didn't realize that. Maybe it's not as problematic also. I don't know. Okay. Let's keep going. We got... Uh, ah, you're a big Dynasty Warriors fan, huh? Yep. They're coming out with a Dynasty Warriors movie. Christ. In China. In Hong Kong. April. Is this going to be like the Dragon Ball Z movie? Have you seen the Dragon Ball Z movie? No. Oh, you you gotta get really drunk or, or high and, and watch that movie sometime. <laughs> it is awful. It's a live action. Sorry, I should probably specify here. It is okay. live action and it uh, is yeah. magoo. <laughs> okay, so this is live action too, but that makes sense for Dynasty Warriors. I don't know if it makes sense for uh I, I gotta just I'll look up this up uh like well at some point while I'm not talking, but that sounds that sounds pretty terrible. But anyway I mean Oh god. I was just saying this one from the just from the trailer I've seen, it actually looks like it could potentially be good, you know, for 
what you would expect out of a dragon war, uh, a dynasty warriors movie. But, uh, you know, obviously who knows? And, and there's no talk of whether it's going to, whether if, if, or when it will be released, you know, in, in Western countries. So, uh, I don't know if we'll really get a chance to see it or what, but it looks like it could potentially be all right. Yeah. I, I would expect that to be pretty decent. Not, not a great movie by any means, but the structure is there. Cause I mean, it, it, dynasty warriors are, I, I don't, I would I don't want to say lightly. I think lightly is too, too soft, but I would say like mediumly based on history. They, they have a structure that's based around historical events that happened. Obviously there's some, fantasy type elements that are added to it so the framework's there and as long as they make it a primarily a combat based you know sort of war-esque movie yeah, i'd watch that shoot that sounds really cool yeah that's basically what it is oh my gosh the just even just the poster for the dragon ball movie oh yeah the main character is just god awful the acting is great it's, it's almost up. as bad as the last airbender movie the m night Shyamalan movie. oh wow is it really it, actually it might be worse than that movie i don't know i Ooh. actually they're they're so both they're so garbage oh my gosh yeah i don't see how you can make this movie poster and be like people are gonna want to see this shit i know i never understand the movie poster sometimes like i don't see many movie posters i usually see the meme ones but i'm just like how like how how did you not know this is gonna be a meme i hate how movie posters are not like actually artistic anymore it's just a group shot of the main characters you know i love like the old like the old movie posters, like really even up until up through the eighties, it seems like they were all pretty good. Maybe, maybe a little bit in the nineties too, but, uh, especially like the, like the fifties and stuff like that, that there were some, like, there's some really cool looking like science fiction posters and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, all the classics, like forbidden planet and those kind of things like posters look used to be so cool. And then they got ruined by marketing. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, it's, it's the, it was the primary Avenue for marketing at that time. Right now it's, you'll get your shit on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Okay, what's next? Oh, speaking of mobile games, you're talking about mobile games a minute ago. There's some Final Fantasy VII stuff coming out. Square Enix has announced two Final Fantasy VII-based mobile games. Oh. <laughs> One of them is called Final Fantasy VII The First Soldier. It is a mobile battle royale game. Set in Midgar before the events of Final Fantasy VII. Like that, that should just be an oxymoron right there. <laughs> Mobile Battle Royale. I, I know people that play FP, FPS Battle Royales on mobile. And I, I just, I never understand it. It's just so crazy to me. I don't know how people can do that. There, there is there is one that I've played that I got a little bit of fun out of. It wasn't first person. It was like it's like a top down shooter kind of. But I, I really only played it because uh, my daughter really liked playing it. So sometimes me and her would get in a game together and both play. It's called Butter Royale. <laughs> hey, you just like have these. I don't even remember the point of it. It's like it's it's like you know how on these games you have the the boundaries like closing in on you slowly throughout the game. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think it was a big, like, I think it was a big ocean of butter that's closing in on you or something like that. And you get these goofy ass guns and just shoot each other and stuff. And besides that, it was pretty, it was pretty uh, standard battle royale. I so that one I played on mobile. I will admit, for a mobile game, it did okay. But uh, sure. I'm not sure. They're if generally I... short lived. I mean, that, that's generally my experience with playing mobile games. It just, oh yeah, I, I will say. It was so, it was like a definitely a pick up and play for five or ten minutes, not like a serious battle royale game. It it, it makes me really sad because I, I think the uh, not to 
play the world's smallest violin. But I think at a certain point, it's, it's really sad to me because, you know, as somebody who's always interested in, in what what's the next thing and, you know, playing, I generally try to play newer games to some extent, especially multiplayer games, because I, I play with a group of friends. But it makes me really sad because I think the future is going to, we're, we're going to see more and more of the the computer and console titles fade away to some extent. Not, not completely, but at least diminished to some extent and we're going to see more and more mobile games because the cost of development is substantially smaller and obviously i would imagine the overall margin is is substantially stronger and it makes me really sad i mean blizzard's a prime example of that uh, we one thing we didn't touch on with with blizzcon is they have three mobile games coming out they have two warcraft related mobile games and they have one diablo oh uh, really game. yeah and it's just like that is the future like they're like yep this is it this is what we're doing now <laughs> so All right, i get so- it it's hard to make a good game it really is yeah. so the other one, the other Final Fantasy VII one that's coming out is called Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis. And it's ba- it seems like it's basically just a mobile version of Final Fantasy VII. So it's not the new remake, but it's not the original either. It's basically something kind of in between. Characters look kind of shaped like the original characters, but but better. I, I don't know. It looks... Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> We're good. They also announced uh, not a mobile game, but Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade, which is just the PS5 release of the Final Fantasy VII Remake. However, this version has two new playable characters. I guess there's maybe side quests or something like that. Uh, Yuffie and Sonan. Yuffie, uh, a descendant, a descendant of Shinobi. Yuffie leaps into battle with her four-point shuriken in Final yeah. Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade coming June 10th. Wait, what? I'm sorry. Wait, this isn't a new character. Wait, are you trolling me right now? What's going on here? Is Yuffie not a new character? Who's Yuffie? I don't remember this. What? Are you trolling me? Who are these are Look, sometimes I don't have the best memory when it comes to character names. Yes, so Yuffie or Yuffie, whichever pronunciation I've heard, I've heard both, uh, is the character that you encounter in the forest. She attacks you, and if you beat her enough, then she takes you to Wutai. She has a four-point shuriken. The, there's a forest? Yeah, there's like forests throughout the game, and you can run into her after like level 13 or something. She's one of the two side characters that you can unlock. It's Vincent and, and Yuffie or Yuffie are the two side characters you don't have to get that you can unlock. Actually, I, I, yeah, I don't okay. think you have to get Vincent, but... um. Yeah, so Yuffie's not a new character. What about Sonan? Yeah, 100% that's a new character. Sonan trained under Yuffie's father and harbors a deep resentment for Shinra following the devastation caused by the war be- between Shinra and Wutai. He has, he has been assigned to work with Yuffie as she infiltrates Midgar, essentially yeah. making her his boss. Oops. I think we're good. I mean, what, what Squaresoft is doing right now is they realize that they can print money as long as they put Final Fantasy VII in the corner. Yeah. So they're just going to be printing that shit for the next five years until people stop buying it. It's got Cloud's like, face is, on it. I, I still haven't even played the Final Fantasy VII remake. It just, they are, they are going to milk that shit. I know, I, I've heard good things about it. I'm not saying I'm not going to. I, just, I, don't, have the, I don't have the system for it as well. Oh, yeah. I will, I'll probably play when it comes out for PC, though. Okay. Next up, we got just a few more things, then we can talk about games. Pocky and Rocky Reshined, Reshrined, sorry, is coming out this fall. Of course, this is the sequel to the classic Super Nintendo game Pocky and Rocky, which uh, has a very strong following and costs millions of dollars if you want to buy it on eBay. Actually, it's not too much. It's like hundreds. It's like a few hundred. But uh, yeah, Pocky and Rocky, cult classic. There's a sequel coming out for PS4 and Switch this fall. It actually looks really, really good. So 
be on the lookout for that. New Ma- Blaster Master game, Blaster Master Zero Three, coming July mm. 29th for Switch, PS4, and PC. And I'm uh, curious about that. Not gonna lie. Well, huh? mm. you're curious about. I'm kind of curious if it's good. Master Blaster is a great game. I, I wonder how good a game. I love the music in that game too. That is a really good game. Did you play the? There was one that came out for Switch, like Blaster Master Two, or no. I don't know. Did you play that one? No, I, I I haven't. Is it good? I haven't played it. I don't know. Finally, I have a lot of Switch games now, though. Huh? Oh, sorry, I yawned at the worst time. I said I, I've bad I purchased a lot of uh, Switch games now. My girlfriend and I have purchased a lot of Switch games now. Oh yeah, what you what you playing? Well, we'll talk. Let's we'll save those for for current yeah, gaming stuff, guys. Uh, last but not least, our friend Hungry Guria had an article written about her in uh, Kotaku. Oh, very cool. She is doing a playthrough of, I think it was Skies of Arcadia on Dreamcast. Okay. Uh, that's what she's playing on her stream. Like, she, she's doing a playthrough of that on her stream, you know, currently. That's the game she's currently going through. And <laughs> as part of her stream, so I didn't know this was a thing, and I hadn't really remembered from, because it's been a little while since I've played my Dreamcast. I don't even know if I've played it since I finished Shenmue. <laughs> I got so turned oh, off of it God. just from that. But Evidently, uh, the sounds that the Dreamcast makes, like reading the disc, are very loud and is something that everybody has noticed besides me. And just kind of as a nostalgic thing, she mic'd her Dreamcast itself. Oh, that's hilarious. For the stream. So while she's playing and talking, people can hear the game and everything. They can also hear the sounds that the disc is making. (laughs) So uh, anyway, uh, Kotaku wrote an article about her doing that. Like everybody loved it and... uh, and Kotaku found out about it and did a quick little article about it. So uh, that's really cool. So check out her stream. Uh, it's 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 fun to uh, to listen to that. That's she's hungry Garia, hungry Garia, H U N G R Y G O R I Y A on Twitch. I think she streams mostly. Yeah, she streams mostly in like late afternoon, early evening. Okay, Jay, who should go <laughs> for? Who wants to go first on games? Um, I can kick us off. All right, go ahead and kick Even us off. Even talking for a little bit here. Okay. Let me pull this up real quick and see what year this came out. So for this episode of the podcast, I know I've been playing a lot of JRPGs, so I wanted to pivot from that a little bit. So I decided to play Super Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this game came out in 1996. What did you say? Yeah, you like that pivot? Yeah. Um, sorry, my one note. I, I, I had to password my OneNote, long story. So every time I pull it back up, I have to re-enter my password. Um, so cool. this game came, came out in 1996. Uh, this is obviously a Square Nintendo sort of uh, matcha, or collab. matchup. Collab. We call them collabs. Collab. There's the right word. That's, that's a good word for it. Collab. Uh, that is obviously incredibly popular. It's it's a incredibly well-known game for a multitude of reasons and this was obviously one actually i, I want to ask i i want to excuse me i wanted to look this up but i forgot to do so was this the first collab for for them to actually like work on a game together obviously i know there were a number of squaresoft games made for nintendo systems but i assume those were primarily developed by squaresoft yeah Square i think this Enix. is the first one that they both worked together on okay. and i will say and i'll get into this a little bit later you can see, you can feel that a lot throughout this game, especially in the later parts of this game. You can really feel the, the I don't want to say tug of war because that makes it sound like it has a negative aspect to, to it, but you can see sort of the positive effects, we'll say that, uh, of them working together on it. 
So uh, this is obviously for me. I, I was wondering if this was like the the prequel to all the Paper Mario games because obviously they feel very similar in a lot of ways. Um, this is a turn-based uh, JRPG where you are playing as Mario and an assortment of characters, and you are playing through a very standard uh, JRPG. You know, you you have characters that you work with. They have developed they develop stories throughout the game. It's turn-based combat. There is button inputs like a lot of the uh, Mario type games, but especially the turn-based ones where there's certain input you can do to reduce damage taken or to amplify your attack uh, and everything in between. There's also certain abilities where it tells you to, you know, spin the directional pad or spam the Y button in order to, to amplify the effect of whatever you're doing. Now, this game has a, a, a you can definitely see the influence of Squaresoft in this because each character has a very unique I wouldn't say very unique, but they have they have unique aspects about them that really bring out the different playstyles of the characters, as well as they all have, to some extent, their their main stories. The characters you can play as are Mario, Peach, Bowser, Mallow, who is obviously new, Gino, and there's one more. Who's the other one? It's only five. I swear to God, there's six. Uh oh gosh, I can't think of any others besides the. They're... I'm just going. Is there I'm one just, more? I'm just repeating them. I'm googling right now. Uh, uh, let's see, Mallow. I it guess sounds, that is right. Okay. I think you're right. Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Uh, so obviously, Mallow and Gino are two new characters. They're very specific to these stories, at least at least that I believe. Um, so they have you know unique stories that intertwine with the main story, and uh, I will say you know these the stories they built around it, it, they did a really good job of balancing this out to be a, you know a Mario game, right? It's 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 got good sense of humor. Uh, there's a lot of like awkward, funny moments. You get to see different aspects of the characters, especially Bowser, right? Because Bowser is a part of your group, which is always funny because throughout the game, people keep commenting on that, like, "Oh, hey, Mario, what's, what's Bowser doing with you? Like, why, <laughs> yeah, yeah. why are you working with Bowser?" And then Bowser's like, "Oh, I'm just here until you know he helps me get my castle back, and uh, you know I'm, I'm basically holding him hostage here, <laughs> right? You know, he, he, he can't give up. His ego is like so big that he, you know he obviously doesn't want to let people know that he actually got his ass kicked and got kicked out of his castle, and some jerk is is running his castle at this point. So they they do a good job of that, but also there's some serious moments too. Um, I won't go super far into it because I, I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything. But there's a couple of uh, I would say tear jerky moments. There's a couple of moments where it's it, uh, some of it I did see coming, you know, because they just kind of based on the based on some of the arcs. And I will say this: uh, this game I feel was a huge inspiration for Final Fantasy X because there were a really? couple of key tropes, and maybe this is a common thing in some of uh, some of the SquareSoft's games that maybe I just don't know. But there were some some moments where I'm like, this is I'm getting a lot of Final Fantasy X vibes, and it was kind of interesting because the more I, more I played through the game, the worse it got, especially towards the end. And if anybody's played Final Fantasy X and Super Mario RPG, they may know what I'm talking about. Um, but if not, you know, sorry, I don't, I don't want to specify. No, I want to hear. I want to hear what you're talking about. Okay, so uh, I'm going to say spoilers at this point. So spoilers for the next, we'll say like two minutes or so, because uh, they should go through this pretty, pretty quick. So one of the primary characters you interact with is one of the characters that joins your party is named Gino. And Gino is a doll that comes to life in order to help you with the quest. And your quest is to uh, reobtain all of the uh, seven star shards because you need the seven star shards in order to defeat Smithy, who is the, the last boss or the bad guy of this game. It's not Bowser. And Gino, throughout the game, you there's a couple of moments where they hint at that he's going to die uh, once the story is finished. And again, spoilers for Final Fantasy X. Spoilers for Final Fantasy X. For those who haven't played, who don't know, in Final Fantasy X, Titus or Titus, the main character, is actually dead the entire time. 
And they allude to it a couple times throughout the game, but it's very subtle. Why don't you spoil it? Listen. Uh, it, it, there's a couple moments where they allude to it in Final Fantasy X, but it's not like straight in your face. And I started to get Gino, I started to get Titus vibes with Gino pretty early on, just kind of based on what they're going to do. And then they really foreshadow it at a certain point in the game where it's, it kind of like slaps you in the face. And, and then obviously it happens. It comes to fruition at the close of the game. You know, he goes back to doing his own thing and, and yada, yada, yada. So th- there was a couple of things in addition to that, but that was the primary one where it was, it was just like a, a theme. It was like, it was one of his main archetypes or arcs in in the whole story which realistically in final fantasy 10 there's obviously a lot more to titus than just he's a dead rat but there is obviously a lot more availability in that type of game so for for for, for uh, super mario rpg it was the primary character it was one of the primary traits that that i feel like they uh emphasized throughout the game so there were some other minor huh. things as well. I'm trying to think of what they were, but there were a couple of things I'm like, I'm getting some real strong Final Fantasy X vibes. So I have a feeling that the, the crew who made Final Fantasy X was very fond of Super Mario RPG, understandably. Uh, so end of spoilers. Back to the game. So Super Mario RPG, again, is a turn-based game. You have a party of three. Uh, there's total five characters. And throughout the game, you can swap the characters as you wish. Uh, there's obviously certain tropes to each of the characters. Mario is a primarily a DPS, you know, obviously. Bowser, same deal. Uh, Peach is primarily a healer, caster. Mallow is more of a caster with some healing elements. And then Gino, I didn't really play with Gino that much, to be honest with you. So I don't really, I didn't really get a good depiction of him. I'll be honest with you, I played with Mallow early on, but it got to a point, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, where my party was basically Mario, Bowser, and Peach for pretty much the end of the game. Yeah. Because Peach's healing ability is just too strong. Yep. And I mean, realistically, you can have Mario, Peach, and whoever. It really doesn't matter because. Mario's damage is just significantly higher than everybody else's, uh, at least in my experience. And Peach's healing is just insane compared to everybody else's. I think I was the same way. I tried doing a different... The last time I played, I tried doing a different... You know, I tried mixing it up a little bit and using... I, I think it was Mallow also, and it's like, no, Peach is just so much better. Yeah, because my understanding is Mallow does a lot of really good damage, as uh, same with Gino. But the problem becomes, you get to a point where... You need consistent healing. Mobs will, you know, yep. hit your entire party for substantial damage, or they'll potentially one-shot somebody. So you need people that can quickly recover, you know, when you have one of those oh shit type moments, especially in boss fights, obviously. So uh, I, I don't want to say, you know, you're forced into a cookie cutter comp, but I was definitely motivated to keep the composition I had uh, early. Or excuse me, once I once I kind of locked in the Bowser Peach, um, Bowser Peach Mario Mario lock in. So this game is a very traditional RPG in the sense of you have items and gear, right? So you, you equip throughout the game uh, that do different effects. You know, you have a weapon, you have armor, and those generally give you stats. And then obviously you have a third uh, inventory slot or equipment slot that is an accessory. It's a ring. And the rings have a wide variety of things that they do for you. And obviously you use them throughout the game. So um, in addition, some other RPG elements as you level. Uh, I, I will say I really like the leveling system in this game to some extent. Certain pieces I don't. But after you level, you know, you get this this screen uh, that pops up and says like, hey, you gained a level and it tells you what your stats are doing in terms of increasing. And then you get to choose between um, health, attack and defense or magic attack and magic defense. And you get to sort of amplify one of those three stats. And early on, this is kind of cool because you, you get to basically you're in the driver's seat a little bit in terms of how your character develops. It's a little misleading because at a certain point, uh, it doesn't matter anymore because the additive stats, so like let's say you level and you get like plus eight health. And then you're like, oh, I want to amplify my health further. You get plus one more health. 
And it's like, does it really matter at this point? Like, it, it, it's it's such an insignificant amount. And when you have like 150 health, you know, one additional hit point is is whatever. So, I don't it, know. It, I felt it, I felt like it did make a difference early on. It, I think it did, but later on, it just it was just kind of whatever. And I will say later as well, I was just health all the way through because mobs hmm. and bosses start to hit so incredibly hard, especially especially to a certain extent the the caster type ones to where you just need the most amount of health otherwise in certain cases you'll just get one shot it was that not your experience no that's probably true what you said but but i did feel like it it, it did make a difference if i just if i focus on one thing rather than another because you level up a whole lot in that game so if you pick one and kind of do that one most of the time, you can get pretty strong in one stat. So I, I spammed attack and defense on Mario for most of the game, and I got in a situation, like, I, I was going, like, maybe every every four level, or for every four levels, I would do attack and defense, three of them, and one of them health. And then at a certain point, it just got to a point where it was like, I have to do health every single time, because Mario or whoever is just struggling to stay alive. Because yeah. they're, they're, they're getting one hit, one shot, which is kind of crazy to me, but um, I was also really underleveled. So, so okay. one thing I want, I want to say about this game is this: this feels to me in the very in the same vein as like Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy IX, where there's a lot of additional content throughout the game that you can do. There's a lot of like side quests and things you can pivot onto. Especially towards the end, there's a lot of like achievement type things you can do that get you like extra items, and in a lot of cases will encourage you to level. You know, all that kind of cool stuff. And I ignored a lot of that. So I was I was pretty darn underleveled when I got to the end of the game, which made it. Uh, um, pretty obnoxiously hard, to be honest, especially the last boss. And I'll, I'll talk about that here in a minute. But I, I will say that was one of the the downfalls for me of not doing any of the additional content. Is it put me in a really, really challenging situation a few times. Hmm. Um, so I, I do want to before I kind of jump into the the end game of it. I do want to say the visuals game are timeless. The graphics are incredible. They 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 last so well. It still looks good. It looks like a GBA game. Obviously, it's Super Nintendo. But it you know when I'm I was playing it on my phone, which I will say, and I'll talk about this in a minute, was not a good choice. I play a lot of uh, JRPGs <laughs> on my phone. Rough. Yeah, I play a lot of JRPGs on my phone because it allows me, when I'm out and about, you know, when I'm in the car, wherever it is, it allows me to easily play them uh, and just kind of, you know, hey, I have 30 minutes in the car. I'm just going to grind out, you know, 30 minutes of Final Fantasy, whatever, or in this case, Super Mario RPG. So that became a little bit of a pain in the ass because in this game, there's a lot of out, out of the world, um, out in the world jumping puzzles. And so imagine you're using a phone screen oh, yeah. and it's a touch screen, obviously, and you have to hold, run and jump. And the two buttons are legitimately, you know, a half an inch from each other. So and some of these puzzles, as you could probably attest to, Robert, at a certain point, get a they're not like difficult necessarily, but they're a little bit more intricate and the timing matters. And so some of these jumping puzzles oh, yeah. were extremely frustrating to deal with. Yeah, I remember that. And also, I remember a lot of the puzzles just being like kind of boring also. To me, at least, I was like, "Let's just can yeah. we just get through with this." Yeah, it, it, that's exactly so. That's the mentality I had. So the first half of the game, I took it real slow. I enjoyed what I was doing. I was kind of like testing out the. Oh, one thing I want to say about leveling before I move on from it: everybody levels at the same time. So if if even if you have characters who aren't in your party, they level up outside your party, which is which is common in a certain number of, of JRPGs I've played. But generally, it's a percentage ratio. So for one for every one experience your main party gets everybody else who's not in your party might get like 0.6 of an experience point or something like a fraction of, of an experience point. 
And, you know, I kind of understand that. In this game, it's a one-to-one ratio. So your characters, you can swap them out very easily. Uh, obviously, you need to put on gear for them, which makes it a little bit challenging to swap them in and out. But they are all consistently the same level uh, from start to finish, r- roughly. You know, they, they stay within the, the same realm of each other, um, which is kind of good and kind of bad. Honestly, it didn't matter to me because, again, I kept the same party from about halfway on. So I got about halfway done with the game, and I was really enjoying it. And then, to your point, Robert, I got to a water level. And the water levels are obviously in every game ever. Everybody hates water levels. And this was oh, the yeah. same freaking thing. You know, it was just trying to, because basically throughout the game, you're obviously doing large dungeons, not large dungeons, but dungeons. And some of them are more complicated than others and have mechanics. We'll, we'll call them mechanics. But in most cases, they were jumping puzzles or hidden items or what have you. And so it was, it was the, the water world, and I just got really frustrated, and I was like, I just kind of want to be done with this game at this point. I'm not enjoying the jumping puzzles. The combat is kind of worn off of me at this point, and the fights started to scale about halfway through the game quite a bit. And I, I, it's not that they're necessarily difficult, but the monsters just started to hit really hard, and they started to implement more and more mechanics where they were instant kill mechanics. Which is always really frustrating in games because, like, even if you're super high level, it doesn't matter because it, it legitimately doesn't even say damage. It just one shots a character, and if it does it to the wrong character, you're basically screwed. You know, it could put you at a significant de- deficit throughout the game. So, I, I really didn't like that. And at a certain point, I was like, you know what? I just I kind of want to be done with this game. Like, I enjoy it. The graphics again are timeless. They're really good. The music is incredible. The the music is is incredibly good. I love the ba- the battle music. You know something is it the way I look oh at it. Oh gosh, like, I can't stand it. Really? It's I, so actually, repetitive. No, you've seen that before. It is yeah. repetitive. I mean, but here's the thing: in any JRPG, especially turn-based one. Well, sorry, in JRPG turn-based games, right? You are going to be listening to that battle music for how long? Probably half the game, if not more. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I'd say approximately. Yeah. Give or take. Sure. I, I think that's a reasonable statement. So my thing is, I don't mind the battle music of the game. I thought it was good. It had good pacing to it. It starts off slow. It didn't just like instantly ramp up. And it, to me, didn't get super annoying. It's stuck in my head right now, I will say. But oh my gosh, I think it's so annoying. Really? I, I, I didn't mind it. And I thought the boss battle music was really good. It's very slow again, and it kind of builds up. And then as well, there were some unique boss battle music for specific bosses at a certain point in the game as well, which I really appreciated. I thought, I thought that was a nice touch because, you know, obviously for, for older RPGs or JRPGs, at a certain point, it's like you have battle music and then you have boss battle music. And in some cases, those are one and the same. Uh, but this game had obviously regular battle music, open world music, which I really liked. And each world had its own sort of unique track to it. I don't know. I, I thought the music was pretty darn good. And the sound effects, I thought the sound effects were great and really rewarding because when you hit the correct timing on your ability to attack or defend, there's a specific noise that plays. And then a lot of cases you get an additive sound effect because your character is doing more damage. And I really appreciate that because some of those sound effects were pretty cool. And the one thing I wanted to say, you know, the Square Enix or Squaresoft influence, I swear to you, some of the sound effects that they did for, like, the sword-cutting noises were taken straight out of some of, some of the JRPGs around that same time. And, and it's pretty funny because it just, it doesn't sound out of place, but it's kind of funny because you're basically listening to, like, a sword-cutting noise in a Super Mario game, which is a little bit out of place, but it's kind of cool. I actually really appreciated it uh, playing through a, a certain, at cert, to a certain extent, excuse me. Okay. Um, my one note locked again. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, talked about that. 
Yeah, so about halfway through the game, the story started to get a little bit... It ramped up in terms of, of being more serious. And I think at that point, Square was like, hey, let us take over a little bit here. You, and I feel like that that about halfway through is when the story starts to evolve a little bit more. And you can start to see more more traditional JRPG elements to it. Especially towards the end, because it's it's Mario, right? So you're thinking turtle shells and happiness and sunshine and, and Goombas. And then towards the end of the game, it's like you're in these really dark, kind of decrepit areas. And the mobs are questionably kind of weird and bizarre and in cer- to a certain extent, almost scary looking. <laughs> and it, 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 it feels a little out of place at first. But as you get deeper and deeper into the game and the story starts to unfold. Oh, that was the other thing, by the way. Um We'll do another spoilers warning here. Okay. Uh, the other thing that was very Final Fantasy X vibesy for me, so spoilers here for just another minute. The towards the end, so the, the the bad guy of the game is Smithy. He's this giant sword. He takes over Bowser's castle, and you beat Smithy. And then when you defeat him, you go in his mouth, and you have to go inside him, and you fight this gauntlet of bosses, like six, seven, eight, nine bosses or something, back to back to back to back. And as you do this, it had. And again, spoilers for Final Fantasy X, it had very, very, very Yu Yevany vibes. Yu Yevon is the final boss of Final Fantasy X. Uh, and you basically, so Sin is the primary uh, antagonist of the game. And then at a certain point, you realize that Sin is actually not the bad guy. Or he, he is a bad guy, obviously. But what is inside of him is actually evil. And you have to defeat Sin. Then you go inside his mouth. You kill Yu Yevon. And then you have to do some other minor boss fights. And I was like, I was getting flashbacks, man. I'm like, I kill Smithy. We go in his mouth to defeat the cancer that is making him evil. Or not <laughs> making him evil, but what is controlling what Smithy is doing. And then you have to kill all these minor bosses on the way. And I'm just like, this is literally Final Fantasy X. Like, the, to, hmm, in a, interesting. In a nutshell. That's an interesting funny. take on it. I like it. I had never, I hadn't um, heard that or or thought of it. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So, end of spoilers again. Um, yeah. So the story again got pretty predictable towards the end. Wasn't super thrilled with it. I'm going to talk about some of the frustrating things. So, okay. jumping puzzle. Talked about that. Wasn't a huge fan of that, especially on mobile. I I promise you. So I made a rule, a deal with myself. I am the next game. I'm probably going to play Paper Mario here pretty soon. Uh, within the next month or so. And I'm going to play it on my I'm going to play it on uh, my computer so, so I can use a controller, because I think part of my frustration with this game was the fact that I played it on mobile. I didn't realize there was that many jumping puzzles in this game. It's, it's been a while since I've 100 percented it. So it was it was surprising to me. So that was my mistake, but I definitely paid for it. Endless grinding. The grinding in this game, you know, traditional turn based RPGs, you can see the enemies before you encounter them, which is pretty nice. But at a certain point, the game's like hey, you know how we used to let you avoid fights by jumping over monsters and you could avoid them by walking on a separate path from monsters? You're like, yeah, I kind of appreciated that. Like, yeah, we're going to take, we're going to stop doing that. You're going to have to fight every fight that we want you to do from this point on. Uh, I'm really sorry about it. Not really, but, you know, that's what I'm going to tell you. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. So now I'm doing a lot more fights and some of the fights are really just boring. And, and again, you have to do the key inputs in order to do sort of your critical damage or your high damage. So you're having to, you can't just like endlessly A your way through fights because you can get through them faster by being patient and do your timing attacks. And most of the mobs that you're, that you're forced to grind on don't do a lot of damage, so there's very low a threat for you to die. So the endless grindingness, and maybe this is just because maybe it's because I condensed my playthrough so much, but it got really frustrating towards the end, and I was just like, oh my god, like just just get me through this part, just get me to the next <laughs> boss, like just I just want to be done at this point. Um. Occasionally, I had issues where I couldn't figure out where to go, and that was after talking to everybody in the town. Uh, it was a few times where it happened. I ended up looking it up online because I was just so freaking tired of trying to figure out where to go. 
The game generally has really good bumpers and guardrails on it, but there were a couple of instances where I got lost a little bit because I was supposed to go back. I was supposed to backtrack a little bit and go talk to somebody in order to trigger the next part of the game, which was, oh, you know, really? I guess it was partially my fault. Maybe if I went through the text too fast, but I was doing a pretty good job of reading all the dialogue. So I find that kind of hard to, to believe. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, because I didn't do all the side quests, I was very low level. I read online tonight that on average, people are between level 21 and 25 when they get to the last boss, which is Smithy. I was level 19 when I got to the final area. Ooh. And this made it really hard. Smithy was an absolute pain in the ass. So he has two phases. The first one I figured out pretty quick, which is basically you fight him. He has a, uh, he's, he's a Smith, obviously his name's Smithy, but he's, he has a forge and you can uh, kill the forge in order to stop him from creating ads. And it's kind of cool because the way the way it works is essentially he uses the forge to create a monster and then the monster spawns and you kill the monster. And if you don't kill the monster, by the way, holy shit, they hit hard. And then um, the afterwards, after you kill the monster, then you obviously go back to fighting Smithy. So I figured that fight out pretty quick. All I did was just avoid hitting Smithy when the ad was up, kill the ad, and then kill the, the forge in order to stop him from producing ads. And then I would... Um, just burn him down. So that's phase one. And by the way, this is after a boss gauntlet of like eight. So you're going through all the... And then most of the bosses aren't real hard. They're just kind of brain-dead easy shit. But the... You know, it just kind of gets old after a while because you're, you're, you basically go into a boss fight. You might wipe to it once or twice because of insta-kill mechanics or other things you may not be aware of. And then, you know, you come back in the second time or third time and you kill it. So Smithy phase two is ridiculously annoying he is he has two part two components to him he has his chest and his helmet or his, his face or his head whatever the hell you want to call it he shifts the head the head shifts into different forms and do different mechanics but he has a lot of big aoe's and some instant instant ish kills um that he can use on your party or your team members which is really freaking annoying and so if you mess up or you fall behind to a certain extent you can never catch up because essentially, hmm. if you res somebody, he just kills the person who just got res, and then it just becomes such a challenge. It took me a bunch of different attempts to fight Smithy Face 2. By the way, I just did this tonight. I just got to oh, Smithy really? Face 2 tonight. <laughs> I played a ton today. Yeah, I was like trying to play as much as I could today because I was trying to trying to finish out the game. So yeah. I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't kill Smithy Face 2 yet, and I'm super pissed about it because oh, you I, didn't. I, I, I didn't beat it yet. And the worst part is, is my <laughs> save point is at a point where I can't grind anymore. So I basically have to figure out how to do it with the stuff that I have today. I'll figure it out and I'll get it. I just need to take a breather from it because I played it. probably like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I can. I mean, I, I probably spent ten hours playing it over the last two days. By the way, I wanted to see what the average average playthrough for a Super Mario RPG. I wanted to know what the average playthrough is. I think it's something. Wow. I think it's right around twenty hours, right? Yeah, that's about right. I'm surprised. I assumed it was a little bit longer than that. Okay. It felt longer to me the first time I did it, and I, well, for me, you know, I didn't really like the game, so I think that's why. Oh, I didn't realize it. I, I, I like, I like. I mean, it's not my favorite RPG all the time. I appreciate it. The humor's there. the The humor is kind of cartoony and funny at times. The graphics are great. the The visuals are there. It's just, yeah, it, it gets boring at parts, and and maybe it's again because I condensed my playthrough so much, but I was really struggling at the end. Like I, I like almost gave up a multiple multiple times, especially in the boss gauntlet. So I'm just like, oh look, another boss. Oh, what's he gonna do? Oh, he has an ad. Okay, I have to kill the ad, then I kill the boss. Oh, he summoned another ad. I kill the ad. I kill the boss. Oh, he has an instant kill mechanic. I have to rest somebody. Oh, he does AOE. I have to AOE heal. Like 
it was just like if A then B, and that's what it became through that throughout that boss gauntlet. And it's like, oh, the boss did the really annoying AOE twice in a row, and my characters didn't get to go, and I just wipe. Like really exciting stuff. So there was some definite RNG in some of the boss fights that really frustrated me. Um, but you know, all in all, it, it was an enjoyable playthrough to some extent. <laughs> I'm really frustrated <laughs> now because I didn't get to, get to kill Smithy yet. Um, at least the second phase, but yeah. I'll so how how are you? So how are you liking it, just in general? I don't know. I mean, I I'm still kind of digesting it. I'm really frustrated now with it. So it's it's. I, I feel like my my uh, perspective of it is a little bit skewed. Okay. I enjoyed it, especially early on. It's uh, it's got some really cute elements to it. I like some of the character interaction. The addition of Mallow and and, and uh, what's the other character's name? Gino. Gino. Yeah, Mallow and Gino are are a great addition. I feel like they're they're interesting characters. Uh, oh, one of the things I really want to credit this game for uh, is is the way that you use your commands during a battle. So, in a traditional, you know, turn-based JRPG, you hit the A button to decide what you're doing, right? So, if you're going to attack, you hit A. You hit A again after you select your target. If you want to cast a spell, you press down. You press down once, then you hit A. You choose a spell, hit A again, and click on the target. In this game, if you hit A, you're going to attack. If you hit X, you're going to use an item. And you have to hit X again as the confirmation that you want to use an item. Okay. Or if you want to attack, you have to hit A, click, uh, select the person you want to hit, hit A again to confirm. If you want to use a special ability, you have to hit Y. And then again, you have to hit Y again to confirm it. And B does something, and you have to it's, it's run away or defend. Uh, and then B again to confirm it. Honestly, I'm amazed that nobody else has done something like this because I think it's actual genius. <laughs> it is a very easy way to navigate the menus very quickly and as well it prevents you from screwing up and doing the wrong thing i really because like let's say it's your character's turn you accidentally hit x but you want to attack so you hit a guess what you don't use an item you go over to the menu for attacking and then you hit a again to attack so there's no confusion about what your character is doing they did a I, I really like the approach they took with this because i think it's a really nice middle ground for a turn-based rpg in this sense and I, I'm amazed that I haven't seen this more because I think it's a really creative approach to it. Yeah, I actually remember that. I think that's a good point. I never really gave it much thought, but yeah, I, I agree. And, and then the last thing I want to say from a balancing perspective, they uh, you share a mana pool with your party members, which is very interesting to me because I couldn't figure it out first. I'm like, oh. oh like, right. I, was, I was playing with Mallow and I used an ability and it costs like three mana or two mana or something. And I'm like, oh, what's my max mana? 40? I'm like, oh. I'm going to freaking unload with this thing. Like, this is all I'm doing every battle. And then I was like, oh, Mario has 40 mana as well. Hell yeah. So I'm just going to like super jump every single turn. And then I'm like, why am I out of mana? And then I'm like, and then I used, I used a, a syrup, which gives you mana back. And I was like, oh, cool. Mario got mana back. Wait, so did Mallow. Wait a minute. And then I realized I'm like, Wait a oh, minute. something was off. And it was me. So I, I thought that, I think it's pretty cool. It's, it's a little watered down for me, if you if you know what I mean by that, like in terms of, of making a little bit too watered down to some extent, but I appreciate the approach. I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't write really quite understand why, but at the same time, I was like, okay, I mean, this works fine. Yeah, sure. Why not? This was so. So, you know, how I was talking about Mystic Quest being a really good introductory JRPG. This game feels like a, a, a mid-range JRPG that I would... If somebody said to me, hey, I beat Mystic Quest and I'm looking for a little bit of a more involved JRPG, I'd be like, you know what? This is a pretty good game. Like, this game's got that right balance. The story's not too serious or too much. Uh, the combat's not overly complicated. You know, it's not too difficult. There's some out-in-the-world out things. Like, I feel like this is a really good one to, to follow after Mystic Quest. Okay. I think it's a fair take. 
I think that's everything I had. I'm trying to think. Is there anything you might be forgetting, Robert? You've obviously played this game. No, not really. Like, I love all of the... I love the story. I love the dialogue. I love the interactions between characters. I love everything about the game besides just the gameplay just really gets boring to me on that one. Um, so I think that's, that's a really good take on that. In all seriousness, think so? I think it's, that's a really good take. Yeah, because that, that's kind of where my head's at right now, to be honest with you. Interesting. I, I, I thought I was the only bitter, one. But... Yeah. I didn't know. I th I think you're the first person I've ever heard agree with me on that one. Yeah, I, I will say, you know, obviously at the time, we, we try to avoid talking about this as much as we can, but at the time, this game was revolutionary, right? I mean, Super Mario RPG, I can't tell you how many people I watched do a playthrough of this game throughout my childhood. It's an incredible game, especially at the time. It was just it was just so forward thinking. But yeah, it's it's a little tough. I mean, the gameplay definitely gets repetitive and dry at times. So, Well, I'm glad that you agree with me then. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I feel like we're a married couple. We're slowly starting to agree with each other more and more and more over time. <laughs> you know, we started off not ever agree, and now we're like becoming kind of like that thing where you become the same person, sort of. Yeah. I, I also think, I mean, to a certain extent, I, I think now that I've had much more exposure to different games, like Kingdom Hearts, right? Like Kingdom Hearts is a prime <laughs> example where I enjoyed Kingdom Hearts, and I, I think part of it was the age that I played it at, obviously, because, you know, it was a, it's it got, got some teenage angst to it. Oh, yeah. uh, but also, I think I've been exposed to more RPGs, and it's just like, oh, the things I thought Kingdom Hearts did well are just normal <laughs> tropes or normal <laughs> things that are very common in RPGs, and I can play a game with a, a substantially better story. You know, any day of the week. So, sure. Anyways, yeah, that's uh, Super Mario RPG. Um, you know, I, I would recommend people playing this game. I think it's it's a very it's a, it's a very solid title. Uh, you know, some of the complaints I'm pointing out are really from my perspective, just kind of based on some of the other RPGs I played. But I, I do recommend. I would say for people who who have thought about playing it for a long time, I would still consider doing so. Okay. All right, Jay. Is that all you have to talk about this time? Yeah, and I did want to say one last thing on that is is realistically, yeah, so I played this game quite a bit. And, and you know, based on the playthrough timeline of 20 hours, it felt a lot longer. But uh, I did want to say it really kind of pushed my limit right now just because, to your point, you know, I'm playing a lot of other games in addition to uh, in addition to just classic games. So I think I'm going to probably take it easy and play something a little, little bit less for the next episode of the podcast, at least right now. I don't know, maybe tomorrow I'll wake up and feel reinvigorated, but we'll see. Gotcha. Okay. I've got a bunch of games, but none of them are particularly long games to, to discuss. I have five games for this episode. Oh, you'll find a way. <laughs> You're probably right. That's true. <laughs> Very true. Um, all right. First off, we're going to go with, uh, let's start off with The Terminator for Sega CD. This game came out in 1993, and it is pretty much just a basic run, run and gun game. It ha it has uh, FMV cutscenes or like yeah like actual cutscenes from the from the movie, and that's really cool. Like they're in between levels pretty much typically, but they're also really really grainy. Like the C the Sega CD, uh, their FMV cutscenes are just are kind of grainy in general, and these are even worse for some reason. So they don't look good, but it is cool that they're there. My if my advice for anybody who might ever play this is to play on easy because it's not like super hard, but it, there, you don't really I don't even know I don't know if you have if you don't have continues or if you just have a limited number, but 
at some point it just kind of gets annoying and frustrating. So for me, I, I played it on easy just so I could see more of the game. And uh, I got to the last level probably took me about, I'm just going to estimate and say maybe 45 minutes or so on easy, maybe an hour. And I ended up dying close to the end. I, and I didn't play any more after that. But um, I, 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 I saw most of the game. I just didn't get to the very final boss, which I think you can pretty much guess is the Terminator. Uh, but the, the, um, the, the graphics are good. The music is really good. It actually uses like real instruments, like real music. It's a, uh, it's super eighties as you can imagine. But, uh, but it's not just like chip tune video game music. It's like they recorded some real ass music and put that in the game. That's what, that's one of the good things about the Sega CD is a lot of those games had good music because the, the format had the capability to, to have good music on it. Um, there's cool art on the levels and there's there's not great level variety but there's pretty good level variety. I mean generally it, it it captures the feel of the of the Terminator series pretty well. A lot of the levels are just really really dark even the ones where you're inside are very dark like themed. But they, you start off and you are in the uh in the future where everything is just a wasteland, you know? And uh, you're fighting Terminators and stuff like that. And then at some point, so you obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but you play as John Connor. This is this is going from the original Terminator. It's not it's not Terminator 2. Uh, so you're you're grown up John Connor running around in a John Connor trench coat with a John Connor shotgun shooting bad guys. Actually, I don't think it. No, I think it looks like a shotgun, but it doesn't shoot like a shotgun. And uh, but later you do go to the past, just like in the movie. And it's in a more contemporary setting where you're fighting like kind of typical eighties video game, bad guys, like punks where like with Mohawks and that kind of stuff. Um, and then later you're in kind of like factory settings and stuff like that. So there's an okay variety. Graphics are pretty good, but a lot of the gameplay is just pretty basic. It's just you running and shooting and running and shooting Jumping, doing a little platforming, climbing some ladders here and there, and then just running and shooting some more. Ducking under bullets, shooting back at them, occasionally throwing a grenade or two. That's pretty much the extent of it. I was a little bit underwhelmed. It's it's a it's a pretty good game, you know, for for a basic game like this. But for some reason, I don't know. I don't know what I expected, but I expected a little bit more. And that really is pretty much just all it had to offer. So am I doing good so far on on keeping it quick? Robert, you are welcome to take as long as you want. (laughs) That's all I have to say about it anyways. That's that's the Terminator for Sega CD. Next one I played is Scat. This is... This came out for Nintendo in 1990. It's Scat colon special cybernetic... (laughs) Did you say Scat colon in the same fucking sentence? Let's try this I feel again. so childish, but that's great. It's s.c.a.t. colon special cybernetic attack team. I don't know why they had to do that, but they did. This is a uh, <clears throat> not a run and gun shoot 'em up, but a side scrolling fly around shoot 'em up. 
And again, this is this is a Nintendo game, so it's a pretty basic shoot 'em up, also. But this one, um, I feel like they do some some pretty cool things. You can. This is one of the few shoot 'em ups I've played where you can actually turn back and forth. You know, usually, if you, you know, if it's a side scrolling shoot 'em up, if you press to the left, ninety nine percent of games you're still facing to the right. You're just backing up. This one, you actually back, you actually turn around. So you can turn around, shoot guys behind you, turn back and shoot guys in front of you. Um, that's not necessarily a good thing on its own. That's just different. And I feel like for the gameplay, they handle it pretty well. I didn't feel like there were many times where I had to just move backwards, but keep shooting forwards. Uh, it, it does happen occasionally, but they also kind of just balance the enemies and all this kind of stuff where it actually makes sense to do that. So that's fine. You also have these little drone things that kind of swing around you. You have one like above your head and one below you. And you're just a person, by the way. <clears throat> You're this. You're one of the scat team members, and you're flying around. You're not in a spaceship. You're just a dude with like a jetpack, basically. And one of the drones goes over your head. The other one goes beneath your feet, and they kind of swing back and forth. So at one point, it might be kind of above your head and pointing diagonally forward a little bit, diagonally forward and up, and then it kind of rotates to where it's pointing straight up, and then it goes back to where it's pointing behind you and up, and then the one below your feet does that, where it kind of goes a little bit more forward, a little bit more backwards and stuff. And then you can press, I think it's A, I think B is the, right, is the like I think in most games, I think it's uh, just like those, where B is shoot, and A will actually stop the drones from moving. So that so when you shoot, not only do you shoot forward or whichever direction you're facing, but the drones, the drone things themselves also shoot out stuff. And... So you can freeze them wherever they are by pressing A. And so if you want them to just be facing kind of like a little bit more forward, then you wait till they both swing that direction, press A, and it locks them in place. This is really good because there are uh, one of the, another thing the game does is it kind of changes direction sometimes. Sometimes you'll be going up and down rather than side to side, but your character's orientation doesn't change. Just the direction he's going changes. So when you get in those kind of situations, you want to kind of get the the drone things frozen to where they're where the one above you is shooting straight up and the one below you is shooting straight down because that kind of helps you handle like manage better when enemies are coming from from straight above you uh it's got pretty good environment art some of the uh there's like some levels where it's desolate broken down buildings some levels where you're out in outer space somewhere you're like in a space station there's one where you're flying around this gigantic ship it kind of remo- it kind of reminded me a little bit of Mario three on the, on like the one boss level where it's like you platforming your, it's like an one of the auto scroller ones where you're like a giant ship. It kind of reminded me of that, but you're purely just going around it and shooting the guns. And it's funny because the boss on that level is the ship's engine. You go all the way to like the back of the ship and then you have to blow its engine up. And while it's engine is like fire and stuff at you. Uh, The power ups are pretty limited. They're not so much power-ups as just as they are just different kinds of attacks. They're not particularly... None of them are really stronger than the other. They're just different. One of, one of them is kind of uh, more of a bomb effect. One of them's the, the standard lasers that'll go through enemies. And then there's one that's kind of more of a wave to where it'll, it'll hit more stuff uh, vertically. Uh, the bosses aren't insane, but they do... They're, they're all right. They, they usually look pretty cool. They have pretty good art. It's a solid... I, I say for, for NES shmups this is this is a solid one nothing super outstanding about it but for the nes this is a good one okay from there remember last time we talked 
I mentioned my birthday was going to be between now and then. Mm-hmm. For my birthday, I got an Atari Lynx. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is the Atari handheld system. It came out earlier than I thought. It came out in 1989, which is super impressive. So wait, hold on. When did the Game Boy... Did the Game Boy come out in 88? Let's see. No. No, Was Game Boy that old? Game Boy came out in 89. So holy shit. So this came out the same year as the Game Boy. That blows my mind because... Now, I'm sure this was more... I don't know how much this was compared to the Game Boy when they came out. I'm sure this was more expensive. But this is, like, technically much more impressive than the Game Boy. And it's... First off, it's the first color handheld game console. 1989, a colored handheld game console. Um, He does use six AA batteries, so that kind of uh, explain you know helps to explain that. But still... I'm super impressed that it's got a really pretty good screen, really good colors, uh, and it came out so early. Uh, the screen isn't big. It's probably about Game Boy size, but the the system itself is close to... I'd say it's not quite the size of two Game Boys, but maybe more than just one and a half Game Boys. It's pretty big. It's It's longer, I think, than a Switch. By, by a little bit or maybe roughly the same um it's also got really good sound quality and it's got like it's the speakers are really good and you can get this thing pretty loud too uh like overall it's a really good device it also has this weird thing where you can there are if you press these two specific buttons on it you can flip the layout you can flip basically the screen to where the screen is facing like where the screen is basically upside down. And what that does is you can turn it around and use your left hand for the buttons and your right hand for the, uh, for the D pad. I guess they thought, you know, why not for, for people who are left-handed, maybe this is uh maybe this will help them. I think it was a cool thing to try and a good thing to try. And their hearts were in the right place, but they also weren't thinking, well, Left-handed people are going to be used to playing all these other games that, that are only available this one way. It's probably not totally necessary, but it's still a pretty cool thing. Pretty cool. Uh, I think a really cool feature to have. So the, the Atari Lynx. Oh, and another good thing about it is you can just plug it in instead of using batteries. So like me, I don't want to waste six AA batteries on it. So I just I just plug mine in when I use it. Um, One of the games... Well... It came with, when you bought the Lynx, it comes with one game, which is California Games. And that's one of the games that I played for this episode. So this is this was a pack-in. This was the pack-in for the Atari Lynx. And it is a uh, kind of one of these typical, oh, here's like a few different kind of uh, sports type. Not, not sports, but you know, like it's like a, you know, they had one of these on PlayStation 1 where there was, I think, skateboarding and street luging and that kind of stuff. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there's like the Olympics games where there's, you know, a few different events. It's one of those kind of games where there's a few different events and you just, it's basically a score chaser. It's got BMX, surfing, half pipe, and foot bag, <laughs> which is, <Excuse> <laughs> which is hacky sack. 
I guess that's, I guess some places maybe they call it footbag or maybe I've never heard it called footbag outside of this game. But uh, California games, I remember playing this quite a bit when I was little uh, and I kind of liked it. But playing it now, it's, it is just, it's, uh, it, there's nothing good about this game. It's terrible. So BMX is probably the most competent of the four uh, events in here. And it's still really bad. So you are going on a, not so much a course as just a kind of a trail that's got like big hills, little hills, little obstacles, little like rods on the ground that you got to sort of like mini hop over some hay bales that you got to just dodge by like moving closer to or farther away from the screen. And the goal is just to kind of see how you're on a time limit and you just want to see how far you can get. Obviously, anytime you hit one of the little rods without jumping over it, or when you hit a hay bale, you crash. If you, uh, like do a jump and don't land quite right, then you crash. You can also do tricks to rack up points. Uh, like when you go off a jump, you can kind of flip a little bit. And, uh, you know, if you don't land those right, you crash and that's, that's all there is to it. Then there's the, uh, the surfing, which is kind of similar. Did you ever play that Nintendo game? TNC surf designs, wood and water rage. I don't think so. No. Well, it had, it was kind of similar to this where it's got a few different events. Actually, I take it back. This one, that one only had skateboarding and surfing and you didn't get to choose. I think you just went back and forth if I remember correctly, but it had a surfing event on there where you, uh, it's, it's kind of tough. You kind of have to basically you're, you're being chased by a wave and you're supposed to be doing tricks, but also like staying away from the wave. This one's kind of like that, except there's, it doesn't take any skill to stay away from the wave. What all you're doing is seeing how many point, like seeing how many flips you can do basically. And you get points for the most flips that you do when you're, when you first start off, you're going kind of slow. So you kind of angle your board when you're to go up the wave and then you jump and you do like a little turn and you just got to make sure that your surfboard is is pointing down toward back towards the water, like back down the wave when you land. So you can kind of smoothly go down it. Otherwise you just wipe out. Then as you, as you keep playing longer and longer, you speed up. Then when you ramp up the wave, you go higher so you can try so you can get more spins in like while you're in the air. And that's it. You just keep doing that until like you crash a lot or time runs out or something. Not the greatest, not the greatest thing. Then there's foot bag, which is just, as I said, hacky sack. And all it is, is you're this like dorky looking guy just standing there staring straight at the screen. There's a bag. There's a hacky sack down by his feet. You press A and he kicks it straight up in the air. And then every time it goes back down to your, to your feet, you press A again to kick it again. And then you just keep doing that. That is that is the extent of the game. Sometimes it'll go slightly, slightly off to the side a little bit. And you have to just slightly adjust your character and press to the side to move him to where he's perfectly back under it again. And that's that's it. Sometimes a bird will fly by and you hit it. But I don't even think that changes anything. <laughs> you just press A when the... When the hacky sack gets down by your feet again, you press A again to kick it. When it gets down again, you press it. You press it again to kick it. You can also, if you press it while it's by your head, you can do it. You can like jump and hit it with your head. It is 
it's it's one of the most rudimentary games I've ever like video games I've ever played. Hmm. So it sucks. Uh, <laughs> and then there's Half Pipe, which I could never figure out when I was little, and I still could not figure out today. Obviously, it's skating. The point is, you're going up and you know you're going up and down the sides of this half pipe, and uh, you want to do tricks. Cannot figure out how to do a damn thing. All I can do is let my guy skate back and forth until he eventually just like loses momentum and is just standing there. Like I can't get him to pick up speed. I can't get him to do tricks. If I press A or B, he just falls off the skateboard. <laughs> I, I literally cannot figure it out. I even looked it up and they, and I read something where somebody else, you know, other people were asking the same thing and somebody said, Oh, you press, you press down when you're going down the half pipe and you press up when you're going up it. And that's how you get speed. I tried this. No luck. The best I was ever able to do was when I first start off, when you first start off, you, ha- you have the most speed. I was, I pressed a apparently at the exact right time. And did like a the trick where you kind of grab the edge with your hand and kick your feet up in the air. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, and then he crashed after he did that too. <laughs> and even that, I couldn't repeat the success of the quote success of that. So I have no idea what's going on with half pipe. I, I this sounds very similar to I played a game on Game Boy when I was younger. It was Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two, and that's exactly what the game was. Was like oh on Game you Boy did three. Yeah, it was on Game Boy, and you you did like three runs in a half pipe, and I could never figure out how to do anything with the game, and I just <laughs> never did anything with it. I probably spent like a couple hours trying to figure it out and never got it and just gave up. Yeah, sounds sounds very much like the same situation. Uh, I don't. Yeah, that's it for this. That's it for California games. It sucks. It's there's there's very very little that's redeemable here. Um. Did you ever play Hacky Sack or did like kids at your school ever play Hacky Sack? Yeah, yeah, of course. Was it like just the stoner? Was that just like a stoner thing for at your school? Because that's kind of how it was. Like In high school, maybe, but yeah. pre-high school? No, it was just like, I don't know. It was just a thing for a minute, kind of like Pogs. Oh, man, Pogs. I tried Hacky Sack a little bit. I was never very good at it. But most yeah, I, I I always like in my mind always made fun of the people who took it seriously. But yeah, it was just kind of something fun to do at recess or after school when you're waiting for the bus or something. Right, right. Okay. So there's California games. Next one I played is Pit Fighter. This one came out. So the Lynx Pit Fighter came out in 1992. Jay, what are your thoughts on Pit Fighter in general? Do I know Pit Fighter? You should at least know what it is. You've mm, you've oh, seen it you've know. seen it in an arcade or something. Look up Pit Fighter Pit right Fighter. now. Okay. You've definitely seen it in an arcade. Oh my gosh! They made a movie. Oh, I, I do recognize this, but huh? I've never played this before. I do remember seeing this in an arcade, but I've never played it before. Okay. Well, uh, evidently they made a movie about it. Not, not about it, but like a movie. Uh, hold on. I don't know if this is based on the hey, game. Don't lie about it. This is the second time you've lied about a movie tonight. Just remember that. I know. For the 2005 motion. Hold on. Let me see if this is. I don't know. Okay. I don't think it's. Uh, 
it doesn't seem like it's related to the game. So never so so forgive me. I'm sorry. Looks like the movie was bad too. But so Pit, <laughs> So Pit Fighter. So you never you've seen this but you never played it. Correct. <clears throat> I remember seeing this and being like that game looks like it sucks, but when when I was little, Pit Fighter was everywhere. It was always in the arcades. It seems like it got ported onto just about everything. I, th- I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a Sega CD. Let's see. Platforms. Arcade, Amiga, uh, Amstrad, CPC. I don't even know what that is. Atari, ST, Commodore 64, DOS, Game Boy, Lynx, Master System, Genesis, Super Nintendo, ZX Spectrum. So, so, not actually, so basically everything but the Sega CD. But... You get the point. It was on everything. It also seemed to be like in every single arcade. And I always remember thinking, like, this game looks doesn't look fun. It looks ugly. It looks boring. And then I tried it out one day out of curiosity because I was. It's kind of like one of those things. Like, well, it's everywhere. It's got to be kind of good. And I was like, this game just sucks. Well, uh, Pit Fighter for Links also sucks. The, the only the only reason I have it is because it it came with the the links that I bought on eBay. So I was like, well, what the hell? I might as well just play it so I, I can at least talk about it. I played it for about 15 minutes, and I was like, that was way too much time to spend on, on Pit Fighter. All it is, and not even getting to the Lynx version, but it's just, it's basically just a crappy beat-em-up game that hmm. also happens to just be one-on-one. So it's, I wouldn't even consider it a fighting game because... There's, I mean, it's nothing like where you have Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat or anything like that, where you have, you know, different moves and you got to kind of like, you know, choose what's the best for like any given microsecond of the game. No, it's just you have punch and kick basically. And just like any, you know, just like final fight or any, any of, or like, like something more simplistic, like double dragon would be a more apt comparison. I think where you're just walking up to bad guys and hitting a punch or kick button and hoping you hit them. You hoping you come into contact with their hitbox before they punch yours. That's all this game is. It just happens to only be one-on-one. Uh, it's super boring. You do have a couple other moves. Like you can do a throw. I think if you press buttons like at the same time, I think you can do a jumping move, but it's very, very basic. And the game is, just looks ugly. It's a lot of just browns and dark red colors. I mean, there are other stages that are, that have blues and stuff, but none of them like the art and the colors don't look good anywhere. And also it's just super boring characters. I mean, it's just basically just bodybuilders wearing pants and no shirts and occasionally chains wrapped around them in one way or another. And that's every character in the entire game. Um, I don't know. I don't understand why it, I, I, I never have understood why it was evidently fairly popular, how it was everywhere. I mean, it seems to, seems like from what I was reading, like a lot of, a lot of like game reviewers back in the day were like, yeah, this is a pretty solid game, but I don't know why it's, it's, uh, there's really nothing, <laughs> nothing like good about this game. So anyway, I played it on links and it's terrible. It's uh it's Pit Fighter, but the graphics are obviously downgraded by far. There's only three characters to play from. I don't know if that is. Di- I I imagine there were more, 
on the arcade versions and most of the other ports, but I don't know for sure. So that may be the same. But regardless of whether it's less or the same amount that were on the normal versions, three characters to choose from is just kind of shit. So, uh, you know, in, in a game that's a one one versus one fighting game. It's just, it's boring. The game sucks. All there is to it. It doesn't look good. It doesn't play good. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't make me feel good. Okay. I respect it. All right. I have one more. Thank you for uh, bearing with me. The last one is another uh, Atari Lynx game. This is the one that I was most looking forward to when I got the Atari Lynx. It is Gates of Zendikon. This came out in 1989. And this is is another side-scrolling shoot-em-up. This one, you are in a spaceship. It's a horizontal shoot-em-up. Uh, well, I guess I already said side-scrolling. Side-scrolling shoot-em-up. It's a kind of like a futuristic... No, well, not even... Well, it, yes, it's a it's a science fiction-themed uh, shoot-em-up, which, yes, there are lots of those. Even probably the vast majority of them are. But this one is much more kind of classic sci-fi-themed. It, it's not just oh, you're in space and there's spaceships and robots flying at you. Like a lot of the art for this game looks like it was really influenced by someone who who loves 1950s science, like golden era science fiction movies. Uh, and this game lived up to my very fond memories of it. I had a ton of fun playing it. It looks great. Besides just the art style itself, the graphics, you know, for a Lynx game, were very are, are very very good. Um, it's like a really good cross between this kind of modern but mostly classic science fiction. Everything has really nice detail. Everything is really colorful too. Um, and so you're so you fly this again, very 1950s looking spaceship, and you have. Your, your, your basic weapon is a laser. You can also get these, you can also pick up these kind of drones along the way that will fire for you. But your main weapon throughout the game is just a laser. And it's, it's, it's cool because it's a little bit different for most games. Instead of firing, indiv- I mean, it's a, it's a subtle difference, but it's one that I always liked. Instead of firing discrete shots, when you hold down the B button, it's just a constant laser beam shooting in front of you. So for a lot of the game, you can just hold that down, but that's, that's true for pretty much every good shmup anyways. If you just hold down the button, it continuously fires. But this one also gives you incentive to press it repeatedly and not just hold it down because whenever you, every time you press the, the fire button, you also launch kind of like a bomb type thing that kind of goes down and forward a little bit. So it gives you, you know, just, just more things going out to attack bad guys. Uh, And then there are also some bad guys that disincentivize you from just holding down the shoot button uh, that I'll get to in a minute. So you have the regular laser, you have the kind of bomb thing that falls every time you, you press an individual you you fire individually. And then you also have a shield, which if you hold a, then a shield like just kind of comes out around you and it protects you from anything. Nothing can touch you. And in fact, if you hit something while you have the shield pulled up, then you destroy that thing. The danger is that if you hold it for too long, 
then your shield, the, the part of the ship that generates your shield gets destroyed and you can't use it anymore for that level. Which is kind of a cool concept, I, I thought. What's also really cool that I don't, I, I've never seen something I don't think like this in, in any shoot 'em up that I've played, is that different parts of your ship can get damaged. So just like the shield thing, if the shield thing gets damaged, then that part of your ship just blows off and you just you physically have lost that part of your ship and, obvi- and obviously you can't use it anymore either. But the same is true for sometimes you might get attacked and if a laser hits that particular part of your ship, then uh, that will it will destroy that also. The same thing is also true for your um, for your laser. Sometimes like you can get the front of your ship blown off and you lose your main weapon, but it's still possible obviously be very difficult, but it's still possible to play through the rest of the level without your laser. Cause you can still drop the bombs. You can still use your shield. And so, what it looks the funniest is when you get your, your shield thing blown off. Cause that's like the tail of the ship and also the laser in the front. And it's basically like just the part where your pilot would be sitting. Like it's just this, like get this ship with no back, no front, just like just limping along, trying to get through the level. Uh, it's not, like I said, it's not anything that I've ever seen in another shoot 'em up where it has like d- kind of discrete, da- like damage to discrete parts of the ship. There's also really good enemy variety. So there are a lot of, to, to kind of contradict myself for a second, there are a lot of uh, eyeball like themed enemies. That's like a theme kind of throughout the game is there's like the final bosses, like he, there are tons of eyeballs on that, on that uh, boss. There are a lot, there are kind of in between, there are frequent eyeball enemies, but there are, there's also a lot of variety outside of that. Some enemies just kind of straight up fly at you. Like you would expect some shoot at you. There are some that drive on the ground. There are some like gigantic rockets sometimes that shoot up from the ground or that come from the side of the screen at you. There's plenty of obstacles. Some levels, some levels are just you maneuvering through obstacles and like trying to blow some up while you get through it. Um, some enemies explode when you kill them, so you want to be kind of away from them. There's one level where there are these like green crystal formations that are constantly growing, and you got to destroy them and kind of like destroy a path through them while they're constantly growing all around all around you. Uh, so obviously, you don't want to get hit by them. There's um these like watermelon looking enemies with just that just kind of float there, and they have huge tentacles. And you have to shoot the watermelon part of them to get the tentacles to retract. Because if you hit the tentacles, then that then that damages you. There's this one level where you're fighting against this big, like, giant cloud. And you just kind of have to shoot it enough to where the cloud gets, like, slowly smaller and smaller and smaller. And then you finally kill it. There's some with, uh... There's some parts where these giant plants that look kind of like big vines growing out of the ground. And, and then at some point... A uh, some kind of flower thing will start growing on it, and you have to kill the flower. You have to destroy it before it blooms all the way, because then it turns into this big thing and it detaches from the plant and it starts floating on the around the screen, just chasing you. Really cool stuff that I just had not seen other places. There's there's another one where there are these. Imagine like a satellite dish, um, that you might have for like fucking cable satellite or something like that. And then in the middle of the dish, sticking out of it is a, is an eyeball poking out of it. To kill these things, if you you have to shoot the eyeball directly. 
if you shoot any other part of like the satellite shaped thing, which is, this is one of the things I was talking about where it's kind of a reason to not just hold laser, the, the laser down the whole time, because, uh, inevitably, if you do that, when you're on a level with these things, you're going to hit a part of one of these satellites before, like you really notice it's there. If you hit a part of it, that's not the eyeball, then it launches like a volley of lasers at you. And uh, you have to like really haul ass out of the way or else you're definitely going to get caught up in them. Um, there's also some, some enemies that just try to, that just try to suck you in. There are these like gray worm things that come straight at you and you have to move up or down away from them. If you get, if they get like halfway the distance to, from the screen of the screen to you, then they start sucking it, you in and it, and it gets, and it's really hard to, uh, to, to get away from them before they just suck you in and kill you. So, uh, there's, there's other enemies that are like, there's one level where these, all these just gigantic kind of, kind of a cross between a robot and a UFO flying around trying to kill you. I just, I just love the enemy variety. And, and as I said, all the art on them is really done really, really well. And everything's really colorful, really clear. Uh, I really like it. Also, the game is very forgiving, which you never see in, in classic, in, in old shoot 'em ups. There are, uh, along with it taking, you know, typically a, a few shots to die. There are, uh, uh, passwords for every level. Every time you get to a new level, it says, all right, here's the password for this level. And you can, obviously you can use it as many times as you want. So if you lose all your lives, you just type in the password and start back again. And also the passwords are short and pronounceable. It's not like Mega Man where you have to type in a hundred random characters. And if you wrote one wrong <laughs> down, <laughs> one down wrong, then you are screwed. It's like the word, the password might be rats or something like that. I, I, it's so, it was such a pleasant surprise to not have to spend 15 minutes writing down a password that you're probably going to get wrong anyways. Um, you can also, after every level you can, you can get a new ship. Sometimes you have to, uh, it's sometimes it's a little bit difficult to get a new, like slightly difficult to get a new ship. Like in between levels, there's this landing platform and if you land on it, then you can then you can leave the ship you're in and go get in a new one. Sometimes there's like electricity turning on and off around the landing platform and you have to time it just right to where you don't get hit by the electricity. Uh, just to kind of add a little bit of extra challenge to uh to getting to, to like, you know, risking it to get a new ship. But you always have the option to get a new ship um after every level. So that was cool too. I just uh oh and also one more thing, it has a branching level system. You can, sometimes you'll get to the end of a level and there are these, uh, I guess this is where the title of the game gates of Zendikon comes from. There are these gates. They're, they're like, uh, like more like a kind of portals or like warp things that you, that you can go through. Sometimes you'll come across one in the middle of a, not, not the middle of a level, but like not the very end of a level. And you can go ahead and go through it. If you're, you know, if you're not doing well, or if you feel like you can make it through the rest of the way, then you wait and go on the one at the end of the level. And each one, I believe, will take you to a different uh, level following that. So just so much stuff that that shoot 'em ups didn't do and, and in many cases still don't do today. And, uh, and, and, and all of the things that they do differently are also really cool. So this has got to be like one of my... <laughs> Like one of my favorite shoot, I, I've said Thunder Force Three is my favorite shoot 'em up, and it is. Sure. But this one is definitely up there. This is probably one of my, 
I'd say it's certainly one of my top five, probably even one of my top three shoot 'em ups ever. You know, it's funny, like, I feel like I might be a bigger shoot 'em up fan than I realize. Every time I talk about a shoot 'em up, I realize I say, like, oh, you know, I'm not the biggest shoot 'em up guy, but I really did like this or that one. But I realize I think I've said that a lot now, and maybe I'm like, now I'm kind of just thinking maybe I actually <laughs> am a shoot 'em up fan. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, the um, if you do a Google search, do a Google search for Gates of Zendikon, like box art, okay? And then also do a search for uh, Asteroids for Atari 2600 box art. The You can tell that the ship on Gates of Zendikon is like an homage to the... Uh, to the ship on the asteroids box art for uh oh that's kind of cool i always love when they do like subtle things like that yeah i, I do too it, it looks just the, i mean honestly golly it's even it's it's exactly the same thing isn't it i i hadn't funny. it is kind of uncanny yeah i hadn't looked at them like directly next to each other until now it was just when i was looking at it uh at the uh, the box art the other day i was like you know what that looks a lot like asteroids but i hadn't done a side by side until just night just right now and they are yeah they are definitely the same thing uh so that's really cool i thought it even kind of has the same animation like it's shooting something and it's even exploding similarly look at that dude did they just is this more than an homage did they just fucking rip this off copy pasted Look at that. Even the it looks like the explosion is the same if you rotate it the same way that the ship would be facing. You see what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do actually. Is it the same? I think it might even be the same explosion. Okay, well uh <laughs> homage or rip off, you decide. But anyway, I love Gates of Zendikon. That's all I've got. I'm I'm done now with talking about my games this time. Uh, overall, the Atari Lynx, it's a really cool system. Obviously, you know how I feel about Gates of Zendikon. Obviously, you know the other games sucked. I'm really interested to play more stuff and to find out like if there were good things for this system or if this was pretty much just it. Stay tuned to the Classic Gaming Podcast and we'll get to the bottom of this. Okay, Jay. Okay. <laughs> All right, top fives. Let's move on. Oh, that's right. Oh, man. Hold on a second. <laughs> I actually completely forgot. I have... Okay, sorry. Give me a few minutes here. I'm so sorry. I put mine together, but I didn't select my... Oh, my finalist. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll talk for a second. You do what you got to do. So, our top five is game series that have lasted longer than you would have expected. Um, whether it's for quality reasons or any others, that's pretty self-explanatory. I think we did get one, uh, right in via Twitter on this one from, from, from Jeffrey. He says, number one, the classic gaming podcast. Oh, did you mean video game series? That's too weird, there? Honestly, that was a pretty good one. It's good burn. Did, did you think the Classic Gaming Podcast would have lasted, what, 18 years now when Whoa. we first started? Whoa, wait, wait, did I hit a time lapse there? What's going on here? 
I mean, we're at least we've at least been doing this that long, right? That's true. And when we first started, if someone said, "How long do you think we're going to be doing this for?" What would you have said? Five years. Really? Yeah. Okay. I I thought three to five years was a realistic time uh, timeline. I probably would have said, I probably would have said four. Yeah. So between three and five years, the average is four. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's for me, like I, a lot of times, I. I'm like very enthusiastic about something and, and I am serious about it. But then it's like, after I do it for a while, I'm like, all right, time to move on to something else. But, uh, obviously that's not the case here. I, I'm clearly still, uh, very much enjoy doing this or else we wouldn't be doing it anymore. That is very true. All right. Let's talk about our top five game series that lasts longer than we would have expected. I'll go first in case you still need a little bit more time. My number five is crash bandicoot. Hmm. I just, I kind of just have always viewed it. I, I know it's not just a generic platformer, but to me, it didn't do enough new things to really make it stand out. And so I, I don't quite see like why it keeps having sequels, why people are still like, oh, you like really, really into the Crash Bandicoot series as, as they seem to be. There's nothing well, wrong with the Crash Bandicoot series. I'm just kind of surprised that the makers of it didn't just kind of move on and do something else. I mean, they did. They made The Last of Us. <laughs> Crash Bandicoot people made The Last of Us? Yeah, it's made by the same developer. Oh, is Naughty it? Dog. Well, yeah. but they're still making Crash Bandicoot games. And Uncharted. Yeah, yeah that's true. Okay, what's your, what's your... Are you ready to go now? Yeah, go? my number five is The Sims. Uh, oh, wow. Sims, obviously, I've never been a big fan of The Sims, and they have made way too many expansions and DLCs and minor content that is just blowing my mind. Like how much can you add to that game where people are going to still give and give money to it? It just, it is crazy to me how much, I, I don't know if they're still making them today. Prob- probably. To oh, honest, they are. But, there you go. Yeah. It was especially with mobile being so accessible, but um, yeah, I just can't believe how, how often I've seen titles for that come out, especially in like the early two thousands. My daughter's big Sims fan. Uh, is she? Yep, sure is. Number four, Ys, uh, spelled Y-S. Uh, I don't, I think the new East games are supposed to be pretty good. Regardless, I don't see how, how the series got to where it is. The first one was just kind of bizarre and didn't do anything, in my opinion, good. And I don't see how someone picked up that series and was like, we're going to make 12 more or, or however many there are now. Uh, especially just, I mean, the only one I've played is the first one. And as I said, it's, it's not good and it's really weird just gameplay wise. Uh, and story wise, it's very generic from what I've played. And I think East two is supposed to be very similar. So I don't know how it caught on and don't know how it's, how it's, still going today but I, I yes clearly i think they've improved the game today and that's how it's uh succeeding today but i don't know how it like kept going from from its beginnings all right how about you 
Uh, my number four is, is more of kind of a generic overview, but I'll, I'll give I'll mention a, a name for it. But I really look at most sports games, especially football and basketball games, where they generally just do a 2020 version, a 2021 version, and it's like updated roster. The graphics might get a little bit better, but the gameplay has essentially been the same for the last five years. Yeah. I, I will say the exception to this for me is the manager ones where you're managing something like you're developing a football team and like they add RPG elements where you have like experience and things like that, I think are kind of interesting and that's kind of cool but the ones where you're just playing like the standard sorry but like the the standard like madden i know madden has some of the the uh management in, in the last couple of years but it's just it surprises me how they produce these every year especially like fifa as well or ufc for that matter like it just a lot of these games i feel like they, they don't bring enough updates to them to warrant a new title like it's just it's crazy to me that they ask for 60 dollars every year every year and a half and yeah. people pay out on it yeah fair so. Okay, number three, I don't necessarily, I don't mean this in a negative way, but uh, one game that I certainly, this, and this one's kind of cheating because it's a game, not, not a, well, I guess it's kind of a series also. I would never have guessed, regardless of its quality, that I guess, what, 16, no, more like 16 or 17 years later, it's still going strong, World of Warcraft. It just blows my mind. Yeah, sixteen years. No, seventeen years. You're right. Seventeen. 17 yeah. Even even for even it being a good game, it's like damn. But seventeen years. That just I would never have guessed. Yeah. I. Uh, you know what's funny? I was saying this to some people this week, not to pivot at all, but it, it is going to be a weird day when I get that email and it says, you know, farewell to Azeroth or whatever, Blizzard shutting down the WoW servers. I'm serious. It's yeah. it's one of the things that, like, throughout my, you know, teenage years and my early 20 years, I could always just step away from WoW and come back and play again. At a certain point, that's not going to be the case, and it's going to be really weird the day that that happens. Uh, so. It will be very weird. Uh, yeah. I think it would be. Well, um, my next one is Turok. I know Turok didn't have too many titles for it, but after the first Turok, I was just kind of... I, I'm not a huge Turok person to begin with. I, I've talked about this a few times in the podcast. Yeah. But it, the first time I played I was like, okay, like, you know, you're playing, you know, a standard uh, sort of shooter game, but with dinosaurs, and, like, there's some pretty cool elements to it. And I was surprised, because, what, there was there was two Turok games, and then they made another one recently, didn't they, within the last, like, five years? I think they did, yeah. Yeah, it was just kind of surprising to me, because I'd never been a huge fan of the Turok series, to see it you know, get sort of a, a re what's the right word? A, 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 I was going to say revision, but that's not the right word. I Being brought back to life. Yeah. Revived. Yeah. Revived. <laughs> we both together. We got there. Uh, yeah. I think it's a cool, super cool, um, con like concept for a game, but like you, the first one just was not done very well. I think the second one turned out to be pretty good, but I only played it for like a couple minutes at a friend's house. Yeah, I primarily played Turok at a friend's house as well because I didn't own a 64 until uh, I got Majora's Mask, which was years later. Oh, okay. All right, that's your three, right? Yes. That's correct. All right, my number two is Tom Clancy Games. Oh, that's a good one. That is actually a really good one. It, it's just like the sports games. Like you just, It's just like, yeah. oh, they made another one? They made another one? They made another one? Yeah, and I've never... Well, I mean, granted, I think I've only played one, so maybe that's not quite fair, but... Which one did you play? The, it was the one... Oh, no, okay, I did play that one, too. 
That's the only one I've played that I can remember. I played Splinter Cell. Splinter Cell, I think, was pretty good. It was. Um, the other one fun. I played was Rainbow Six. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. And I was just like, what is so? what is supposed to be so good about this? I didn't... It just didn't click with me. And it's just it seems super generic. And from what I've seen... I, I From what I hear, the newest one is pretty good. But all the other ones in between, again, without me having played them... From an outsider's perspective, they all just looked very generic. Uh, besides the Splinter Cell games also, which were, uh, you know, more like stealth games and, and and pretty fun from the little bit that I played. But like all the other ones, like the, the, the kind of the core Tom Clancy, like Rainbow Six and the other ones like that just were like nothing special about them to me. I, and I don't understand why, kind of like how they're still going on. Yeah, I think it's a good one. All right, number two. Uh, my number two is Metal Gear. You know, I know mm. obviously a lot of people are a huge fan of Metal Gear series and never been my cup of tea, but I, I thought at a certain point we would just start to see that series either dissipate. It would be primarily a classic game. It just it surprises me that it it still feels like it's it's uh, going strong. Well, it's done now. Oh, it's one hundred percent done now. Well, because remember, uh, Kojima left. Konami, like Kojima got fired from Konami and they did make one game after he left one Metal Gear, not Metal Gear, one Metal Gear game after he left, but uh, it was <laughs> not received very well. And they've, they've basically canned the series. Makes sense. I, I guess I do kind of vaguely remember that, but I guess that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. My number one is Leisure Suit Larry. I, oh yeah. I can understand it's it's original popularity, you know, in the eighties, early nineties, even maybe mid nineties. I can I can understand how it was kind of different. Like you didn't have games based on like edgy or sexual humor, even though the humor was really not good and the games were not good. I can understand it having an appeal to certain people who are purely drawn to it and just. Just love the fact that they're playing a game with like naughty humor that they're not supposed to be yeah. playing. Uh, again, they weren't good. I think I got a kick out of them when I was like 10 and played it at a friend's house, but that's about it. Um, but the, the but they're still making the fucking things. They're still making really? Leisure Suit Larry games. They Like they've never stopped almost. They've made many of them in the 2000s. Like, in the 2000s and the 2010s, let me see. Let me, I'm going to pull up. Let's see. Uh, 2004, 2009, 2013, 2018, 2020. Who's buying these games? Is this money laundering? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very good question. Who is buying these? I, I didn't even know one came out last year. It's like Conker's Bad Fur Day in the same way. Like It's just like at the time, you know, in the 90s or whenever the first one came out, it was like, oh, it's kind of inappropriate and cool. That's right. like. But to keep releasing them, I don't know when the last Conquerors, Conquerors game came out, so I apologize. But it just, it surprises me with some of these series. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, surprises me most of all. So, uh, yeah, that's my number one. Cool. Surprisingly, my number one is Dynasty Warriors. It's not that I think Dynasty Warriors is necessarily a bad series, but very similar to my complaint with the sports series, I just am amazed that these games are still being made today and they keep trying different things with them. It's like, how many damn ways can you just do a massive battle style? <laughs> I will say, Hyrule Warriors and Nintendo's approach was pretty cool so far. 
Uh, but it's just crazy to me how many titles they make. I remember I used to be the biggest Dynasty Warriors fan when I was younger, and I would buy the new one every single time. And I think five was the last one that I purchased. And then I disappeared for a while and came back to the series, and I'm just like, they kept going? Like, I thought it was the only series where I came <laughs> back, and the last one that I played was the, the primary one. I actually thought about including the Dynasty Warrior games on my list, but they didn't quite fit for me, because for me, it's kind of like, I just don't like them to begin with. But I can understand um, the appeal of them. And given mm-hmm. that they definitely do have appeal, I can definitely see how people would be wanting kind of like more and more of them, you know, over time. 100%. Okay. Next top five. Oh, I meant to run this by you. What do you think about our next top five being um, your top five favorite games that no one else played? Oh, interesting. Or, or maybe we word as like more uncommon because I don't want to say nobody else played, but like well, yeah, I, yeah. I don't mean okay. literally, but like okay, ba- like just, no just one, you, no one you knew played. You know, yeah, very few people that you know of like ever played this stuff like that. Yeah, I actually have some pretty good titles for this uh, growing up. So okay, I introduced some of my friends to certain games too. So cool. Then we'll we'll run with it. All right, Jay. Email time. We got two. First one, Chase, and... of course, and the, and the second one is our friend uh, Travis from Drunk Friend. Hey, Travis. Travis, yeah, hey Travis, he says hello, gents. Trav plays games, aka Ness Friend here from uh, episode one forty seven. Yes, I should have said from Drunk Friend and Ness Friend, possibly. He's uh, okay. Sorry. Trav plays games, AKA nest friend here from episode 147, possibly your best ever episode to chime in on some top oh, five shit. games. I'll try not. I'll try not to make my email as long as one of the chase, the night stalkers or whoever, and Woo-hoo. definitely <laughs> won't be as annoying as that Jeffrey watcher guy. So Woo. yeah, shots fired, shots fired. Damn, all over Travis. the place. He not just shots fired. He's got an Uzi. He's just, there's no reload. There's no reload. It's just, just pumping. Yeah. He's just pumping. Here are five game series that lasted way longer than expected for me. Five Tetris. You know what? That's a, that's a pretty good one. In my opinion, how many different ways can you repackage a game where the only characters are seven boring shapes? Hey, I'm with you. I'm hundred percent with you on that one. Travis. Number four, Mario tennis. Tennis was popular in the 80s, sure. (laughs) The Atari NES and SNES were lousy with tennis games, but now the only tennis you'll get is if Mario is in it. Did you know people actually watch tennis for the sport itself and not just because it's hilarious to hear people grunt like that for hours on end? Me neither. I don't know that. Thanks for that. uh, That's that's interesting trivia. Observation. Yeah. Number three, Pokemon. How many different ways can you hide mutated yeah. squirrels in the weeds and expect to and expect people to have thrun, fun throwing balls at it? Apparently several. Essentially the same recipe. Several? <laughs> several? It isn't the highest grossing franchise? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, essentially the same recipe recycled over and over for years, two games at a time. I can't believe uh, people weren't burnt out by 2003, but it's still going strong. Hey, what? I think me and Travis are like on the same page all around. We need to just have him back on because he agrees with me on everything. I mean, I wouldn't mind having Travis back on, period. But yes, uh, I will say as well, what's crazy about Pokemon is Pokemon's doing the WoW thing where they're basically going back and revisiting all their old games, recycling, recycling them now. Oh, which are is they so really? Funny. So they're just copy pasting for newer systems. It's so funny because they're just like, how do we print money faster? What if we put less work into it? You're a genius. Copy paste. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Pump it out. Pump it out. Pump it out. It's just so funny. <laughs> hey, I meant to bring this up during the news, but wasn't there a new Pokemon game announced? Yeah, it's it's an, it's like a, it, it looks like Breath of the Wild initially when you first watched the, the video for it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way with Travis in, in regards to Pokemon games. You know, all the new Pokemon games, I haven't I haven't played one of the new ones since I think Di- no, per Diamond and Pearl, I think was the last one that I purchased. Yeah, it really is like I I struggle to get excited about new Pokemon games, especially since realistically the the generations that I know is one and two. So it's it's a little weird to me. What was the problem with the new one that was just announced? I heard a lot of that a lot of people were complaining about it. Um, it's like an open world type thing. What's wrong with that? I believe what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why people are, are like it. I'm not a huge fan, so I'm just like kind of whatever. But okay. Um, I don't know. Big question. Jay, here we go. Number two, The Sims. There you go. You think waking up and going to work every morning is fun? Maintaining relationships despite a hectic life schedule is your idea of time well spent? How much fun is trying to add that extra room to your house that you can't afford and you can't get the roof to slope to match the layout? (laughs) So now you're an eyesore to the neighborhood. Number one, Final Fantasy. Mm. I thought about this a little bit. I think... Okay, well, let's see what he says. Just when you think this is going to be the final one, they come out with one more. There's nothing final about any of these, and the only final fantasy, and the only fantasy about these games is that no randomly assimilated group of people would all have hair that excellent. That part's true. That's funny. That's a uh, hair styling is abundant in the Final Fantasy universe. Uh, everybody has good hair. There's not a receding hairline to be found. I would be kicked out in a second. You ever seen a hairline? Oh, yeah, big time. Like, just on the side, like, not even, you know, it's like where it just, just goes back on the sides, but in the middle, it, like, still goes pretty much all the way forward. I, uh, uh, I actually, what's funny is I'm struggling to remember what you look like. <laughs> that's scary. It's been a while. That was, no, the, the, that's the whole reason I started buzzing my head, my hair, because... If if it if it grows out at all, then it starts to look slightly comb overish. The way it hangs on the side, uh, where like there's no hair under it, you know. I in the front. Do the same thing. If you, I start balding at any point, my head's getting shaved. Exactly. I don't know what I'll look like. I don't know what I'll look like. I I just the men I, and apologize if anybody this is attacking me. The men who do the <laughs> comb overs and like have like the three strands that they spray down every day. Yep. You gotta realize you look <laughs> like a goof. Either shave off the top and leave the sides and look like a grandfather, uh-huh. or shave your head and just just enjoy it. I mean, yep. I, I get it. You know, hair is great, and thankfully my dad has hair at sixty five or 60, 61, 62. But uh, yeah, I uh, would shave my head in a heartbeat. I would never do the receding hairline thing. Quote me on it. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly why I did it because it was just a little too close. I was like, nope, not having it. Yep. We're we're cutting it off from here on, boys. And and I would love to have like a luscious head of hair. 
It would be you fantastic. You see how long my hair is right now? I have my hair is so long. I yeah, have like you... a little bit of a mullet in the back, and it's <laughs> curling right now. I'm not even joking. Is it long in the? Is it? Please tell me it's short. It's so short in the front. Oh no, I, I pulled all back. It's long enough to where okay. I can pull it all back into a ponytail. Like samurai now. style. Samurai. Uh, sure, we'll go with that. It's it's pretty long. It's pretty curly. okay. It's pretty full. Thick, if you will. So anyway, I don't. I, I'm not surprised that Final Fantasy has no has lasted long at all. But uh, I do get his point. I mean, I, I'm frustrated with how many stupid titles they've done with like mobile games and stuff. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> what was the one I that we talked about? Like even just the new ones that they that they just announced were, were dumb. Had dumb names. Final Fantasy. What is seven? It? Something, Final I don't know. Final Fantasy Seven Ever Crisis. <laughs> don't forget they had a movie, The Spirit Within. And then the the PS5 version of the remake is Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. What the fuck is an Intergrade? Oh, hey, don't listen. Don't forget Kingdom Hearts 365 over one half day. I'm not even getting into. I'm not even getting into those. <laughs> intergrade is evidently a word. A form result. Okay, a form resulting Stop from. It. You're rabbit holing. Don't do it. Hold on. I just got to find out what Intergrade. What do you think Intergrade means? I have no idea. I've heard the word before. It's a verb. Integrate. Oh, it's a verb. Well, there is a noun version of the verb, so the title still technically makes sense, uh, potentially. Uh, The verb is uh, pass into another form by a series of intervening forms. I mean, that kind of makes sense. It's a bunch of bullshit and looped with a bunch of bullshit. Uh, Okay, sure. But yeah, I mean, obviously the Kingdom Hearts ones, those take the cake. Kingdom Hearts Ugh. 357 divided by Omega. Delivered yeah. by, d- divided by another fraction. Yeah, good one. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Travis. I appreciate yeah, you right then. Hopefully we'll have okay, you back. Again soon. Yeah, hopefully Ooh, we'll. Jinx. Yeah, Jinx. Oh, we're twins. Oh. <laughs> all right. I'm going to give you Chase's email if that's all right with you. I would love to read Chase's email. The email title. An honor. Damn it. Uh. I got to chop it up in two parts. The email title. Um, hold on, I'm trying to paste and read at the same time. That's not working very well. You're good. All I want to do is just a zoom, zoom, zoom in your boom, boom. Oh, interesting. Get to buy my dinner first, but <clears throat> uh, Chase says, hello, gentlemen, Chase, the night cleaner here with a sweet little email for your inbox. I decided it might be. Great to engage with your top five and drop a little bit of opinion here. There is only one series that I feel has gone too far and too long that could really use some rebranding and change the formula. And that series is Call of Duty. Damn, that was one I missed. Good one. For sure. Uh, With the first game coming out in 2003, this property has become an Activision annual refresh series. Ooh, that's a good way to describe all these stupid sports. That is. Uh, and though the developers continue to push the FPS forward and innovate, uh, how, what is that word? Uh, Iter- iteratively. Iteratively. Thank you. Uh, the problem here is that each new entry is really just an excuse to pay a full price for a game that is only marginally different than the one that came before it. Yes. You just said it in a much fancier way. I appreciate you. Um, you could aim this criticism at the annual refresh sports games too. Yep. But at least with real-world drafting and trades, as well as team sales and name changes, there's an argument for the practice. I've never been convinced that first-person warfare simulation 
needs that same kind of treatment. In fact, I would rarely suggest this for any games, uh, excuse me, game, but I think Call of Duty might might function better as a game, as a service like Destiny 2 or Warframe uh, uh, than it does in any refresh. Yeah, but they don't make as much money if they do that because you have to pay for their online subscription and then the annual refresh game plus all the microtransactions. So Don't forget um, those micros. You gotta remember those micros. I get the incentive to do an annual refresh. It's money, and I guess it works because companies keep doing it. Doesn't mean I like it, and I can't remember the last Call of Duty game I played. Maybe OG Modern Warfare. Yeah, and as well, the thing that I get really frustrated with these crunch games is the abuse that they put on software. This is me talking, not Chase. Uh, is the abuse that they put on software developers because they get put under the gun oh, to yeah. say, we have to crunch this, you know, you have to work obscene overtime, and then at the end of the session, they just fire everybody anyways. So <laughs> that really frustrates me as well. Yep. Uh, back to Chase. Chase says, and that brings me to the question of the day. What was, is your favorite FPS experience? Not just classic, this can be contemporary gaming and why. I'm not a big FPS person. Um, I mean, I'm not either, but I got to say my best, my favorite FPS experience is playing uh, Perfect Dark with my friends, like all throughout one summer. Maybe Halo 2 for me or Halo 1. I, I enjoyed playing through the campaign on hard. I don't, I'm not a huge FPS person, so I don't know. That's that's kind of a tough one for me. Halo 1's up there for you? Yeah, Halo 1, Halo 2 as well. Just playing through the, the campaign is very fun, I thought. Yeah. Uh, he says, mine is kind of cheating, but I'm going to say Resident Evil 7, which is as much survival horror as it is shooter. Uh, it's one of the first person survival horror games I've been able to play through. And it was a, it was all a new set of experience in, in a genre that I felt was pretty tired. Honorable mention to doom 2016, which is, oh yeah, doom is really good as well. Yeah. Uh, which is a high octane over the top kind of experience that I feel everyone who likes shooters should try at least once. And that's it for me today, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, thanks for your game suggestion last month. Played all of them save for Brogue, and I do really hope both Hades and Binding of Isaac. Oh, and I do really enjoy both Hades and Binding of Isaac. Oh, sweet. Thanks for all... Hades is an incredible game. Uh, thanks for all that you do, and for this little corner of your show. Cheers, and talk again soon. Chase, the Night Cleaner. Thank you so much, Chase, as always. What did we suggest... What do we recommend for, uh, to him? I don't remember. I mean, Hades, obviously, apparently. Yeah. Brogue, obviously. I think yeah. um, Josh... So was the one who suggested binding of binding of Isaac. Maybe that was maybe those were maybe that was them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, as always, thank you so much, Chase. We appreciate it. Uh, send us your mail, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Once again, we are doing a game of the quarter next episode, The Secret of Monkey Island. Write in with your thoughts on that if you would like. Our top five, if you would also like, is uh, fuck. What is oh game. Favorite games that only you played, or not literally only you, of course, but uh, uncommon, that, yeah, uncommon gems. Um, do, 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 do game, uh, Jay Gert. Ooh, wow, let's try this one again. Jay, do we, Jay? Current gaming subcast, you got anything? Yeah, play, uh, so you've been, you know, I obviously bought Belheim. Belheim was a huge, huge surge developed by five people, um, sold five million copies now, doing really well. I I'm probably That's actually one million it, per person if you do the math. That is true. Uh, not not playing the game anymore at this point. For the time being, I'll probably jump back at some oh, point. You're not. But if you, 
No, I just kind of burned out at the moment. We played a lot, um, you know, building bases, survival type stuff. It's very fun. If you haven't had a chance to play it, take a look. 20 bucks on Steam. Um, definitely worth the, the research and potentially even the purchase, even if you play it for, you know, a weekend like we did. But it's a great game to play with other people. Very casual. Has some fun RPG elements to it. Really enjoyed uh, the playthrough of it so far, though. Uh, I've got two. I'll just go over them real quick. One is... Uh... Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. I've been playing this with my daughter, and we've been really having a lot of fun with it. This came out, I didn't realize how long ago it came out. I had heard of it, and I knew it wasn't new or anything. But evidently, it came out in like 2015 or something like that. Hmm. You are these little characters on a giant, not a giant, but like on a spaceship. And uh, you're just going through levels, killing bad guys, and trying to rescue these other little characters like throughout these space levels. And, uh, but, but it's, it's, and it's a co-op game and it's, it's purely couch co-op. I don't think there's any sort of online co-op on on any of the versions we've been playing on switch. Um, but what, what you do is like when it's like to fire. So there's four guns on the ship, one on each, like one up, one on the bottom, one on the left, one on the right. And, uh, it's, it's a 2d like plane that you're looking at. There's also a shield. And you also have engines, and then you also have, it's called a Yamato cannon, that's like a really powerful cannon that you can only fire every now and then. In order to fire any of the guns, or to use the engine, or the shield, or whatever it is, you have to have, your character on the ship has to be manning that station. So, there's little ladders and little platforms to get from one place to another. So you're so you're both constantly running around the ship, jumping on different guns, trying to shoot bad guys, trying to like pilot the ship, and all that kind of stuff. So typically you'll have one person uh, do like controlling the engine because that also is what steers the ship. And then another person will be, you know, a lot of times uh, managing the shield to kind of make sure it's pointing forward. And then when you need to, that person might jump off and grab one of the guns. And then if there's a bunch of people, then the other person driving will have to jump off and run over to control one of the other guns as well. It is a really, really cool game. Uh, I don't actually know what why I haven't played it until now because I've known about it for a while. But um, if if you're looking for a, a couch co-op game, I, I highly recommend this. We've been having a ton of fun with it. And it's also, it's also not a game where you get super angry and frustrated with each other. Like uh, another game we play together a lot that I think I've talked about is uh, is Overcooked. And that's mm, one of those games. It's Yeah, it's it's super frustrating, but it is really fun. But it's it's definitely made specifically to get people pissed off at each other. Um, Cause like you're both having to kind of coordinate everything and you do. And you're just like, no, for, you know, forget the fucking chicken. Bring me some hamburger meat. I got this. It's got to go. Uh, I've got to get this off the stove or else it's going to burn. You're just gonna have to fucking wait. Like that's just made to get people angry at each other. This one, it doesn't really have that element. It's just cooperation and, and fun and fighting against bad guys. So uh, what's the name of this, sir? Uh, lovers in a dangerous space time. Okay. It's really cool. I, I definitely recommend it. And real quick, the other one I played is a game that just came out last week. Loop hero. This is a devolver game and it was, they, they advertised it at the game awards and I saw this and I was like that game. I have no idea what it is, but the game looks really cool. And I've, it kind of looks so cool that I didn't even care what the gameplay was. I just wanted to buy it and try it. It's got like a super, like, well, I say super hardcore, a semi-hardcore NES vibe to it. 
it's kind of one of those games that has a graphic style that isn't quite as low grade as NES, but isn't quite as good as Super Nintendo either. It's kind of a middle ground in between the two. But um, the the whole point of the game is you don't even control this character. You you are a character in the game that just auto controls himself, or yeah, that auto controls himself, and. There every state. So the the premise of the game is some kind of cosmic entity has started more or less swallowing reality, and you're trying to kind of put it back together. And part of putting it back together means also bringing back all these like evil things. Like it's it's kind of set in a kind of fantastical uh, setting. So there's goblins, there's skeletons, and there's things like that. You're kind of you're trying to re, kind of remember the world, and again, part of bringing that all back means that there are bad guys that come too. So every time it's it's kind of like run based, but it's not a roguelike in any way. Every time you're done with a run, you go back to your camp and you can build up your camp, and then you go out on another run. And each run, what it is is there's a loop made by a path, and your character just starts walking on this path, and uh and occasionally periodically encounters bad guys and auto attacks the bad guys. When you get, when you kill bad guys, you get loot. And what you're trying to do is pick the loot. That's most effective kind of based on the other gear that you have. So you want to like, so you get shields, you get armor, you get weapons, you get rings, things like that. And they all have different qualities along with just giving you more defense more attack. Some of them will give you more attack speed. Someone will give you a, a vampirism effect where you get where you heal based on the damage you do. Some of them will just give you regen. Some of them will uh, give you counterattack. And so you kind of want to find you know the gear that gives you the best synergy and keep the ones that that it that does work really well and you know get rid of the ones that don't really work well with with the other stuff that you have. As you're doing this, you you also get <clears throat> you also get cards that uh, represent parts of the landscape so some of them will be like uh, maybe a, a a section of woods and those are more likely to spawn bad guys but you also get stuff for going through them but also you don't fight the boss until you've rebuilt like a certain number of tiles on the world it's all tile based um, so your character keeps going through this loop, and every time you get back to the starting point, you have the option to go back to your camp. If you do, then you keep all of the. You're also gathering um, like resources while you're doing all this. If you do go back, then you keep all of the resources that you've gathered. If you have to go back before you uh, get back to to the starting point, then you only get to keep. I think it's sixty percent of the resources you've gathered. So the whole point of the game is choosing like when to stay when to go back, like where to place certain types of buildings to where they're going to be like the most helpful and the least dangerous for you based on the things that they create, like the based on the bad guys that they create, based on the things that they cause the environment to do. And also choosing like the, the, the right gear out of all the gear uh, that you find while you're killing bad guys. It's, it's, it's a really addicting game. Um, I've, put a good 10 hours into it and I haven't played it in a few days. So I'm not sure yet if I've fallen off of it now, if I've like, you know, really hard, hardcore gone into it and now I'm done or if I'll return to it, I'm sure I'll play it a little bit more, but, uh, I, for the, for the 10 hours or so that I have played, I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's one of those games. That's really fun to 
just see like, oh crap, I've got a really overpowered build right now. Let's just see how many guys we can wreck. Um, but again, at the same time, it is purely strategic. There, You don't control the character directly at all. Every time you get in a battle, they just auto attack. And so, uh, so keep that in mind. If you're looking for something that you're, that you, that you're more actively controlling, this might not be for you, but for me, I, I did have a whole lot of fun with it. Jay, I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode of the classic gaming podcast. You got any final words? No, I think I'm good. All right, everybody. Once again, mail us mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Send us your thoughts on Game of the Quarter. Send us your thoughts on our top five. Follow us at Class Gamescast. Check us out at ClassicGamingPodcast.com. Um, am I leaving anything else? Think you covered everything? Oh, you can follow me. I'm King Octavius on Twitter. And now I think that's everything. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back in three weeks. Take care, everybody.